you may never your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania where it's a chilly day today. Uh, Folks, we broadcast live every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday, of course. Every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on our flagship network, the Global Star Radio Network, the place to be. And, of course, um, keep your... Keep your computer, keep your dial right there on the Global Star Radio Network, the only network you need to listen to, basically. Uh, we've got a lot of great programming during the day. We're simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. You can watch us live and, of course, by archive um, right here on our, on our YouTube channel. Just go to HagmanandHagman.com, and links to each audio and video venue will be right there for your listening and viewing pleasure. That's HagmanandHagman.com. And, folks, don't forget, we've got two different websites, primarily two different websites for the show, HagmanandHagman.com for the show information and to, to watch and listen to us live and by archive. And, of course, for the news show prep, HagmanReport.com, uh, where we uh, we have wonderful contributors. And uh, you can be one, too, if you want to send us an email, and we'll consider your, uh, your uh, um, input. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, fellow investigator, researcher, and of course my son Joe Hagman. Together we are something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team, which is the Hagman and Hagman Report. You know, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Um, Dr. Michael Lake. Everyone knows and loves Dr. Michael Lake. Kingdom Intelligence Briefing, kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. Dr. Michael Lake is just an incredible author. If you've, uh, I I mean, I've got to tell you, his book, books, plural, I should say, are just fantastic. I mean, you talk about an education uh, uh, that, I, I mean, I have never, there are very few uh, books that I will keep and, and, and just, just just keep always on my desk. Uh, the Shinar Directive is one of them. 
and I've learned so much from the Shiner Directive. I've quoted extensively on this program from the Shiner Directive, and it serves really as a kingdom intelligence briefing for God's people in the 21st century. Folks, go to kingdomintelligencebriefing.com and uh, read about the Shiner Directive. It, it's just an amazing work that, uh, I mean, it, it's, again, I, I cite from this, from Dr. Michael Lake's work, and I would recommend his book highly. You can or, also go to Skywatch TV and watch the yes. numerous interviews Tom Horn has done with Dr. Michael Lake on Absolutely. the book, as well as uh, other interviews, uh, whether it be radio or TV interviews, Dr. Lake has done. And, and Dr. Lake is no stranger to the Hagman and Hagman Report. He's been on our program before with with much fanfare, actually. Uh, he's one of one of the most requested guests to have back, for good reason, because he he's again just read the Shinar Directive for one. Um, it's it's an incredible read, and it, you t- you talk about making at least as far as I'm concerned, making the Bible come alive, and making the Word come alive uh, in, in a perspective that, well, in a perspective that really puts things in context, current events in context, and I can't wait for his next book to come out, scheduled to come out uh, later this later this year. The Sharif Imperative. Yep. Absolutely. Man, it's going to be a fantastic book. And speaking to yeah. the audience, uh, we got, see a little stack of mail over there on the desk? That is uh, yep. the latest mail I've opened, and I think out of the 17 letters there, three of them had Dr. Lake's name on them, asking to get him back on absolutely. the show. And, and hence... Uh, We've listened to to the audience, and of course, uh, we we know we thank the people for writing in. But certainly, he's uh, a welcome guest anytime, uh, right here on our radio broadcast. Portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by Whole Tones Live, folks. Have you tried Whole Tones Live yet? If you haven't, do so. Do so. Now is the time. Okay, let me just say this: now is the time that you need mental clarity, focus, some relaxation, de-stressing whatever it might be. Michael Turrell is the head of Whole Tones Live. He's a creator of Whole Tones Live. And Whole Tones Live offers you this beautiful array of just just wonderful music, whether it's, to, whether it's to assist you in your mental clarity or to help you fall asleep at night or to motivate you, whatever the case might be. Michael Turrell has used biblical frequencies in his music to do just that to to um, uh, to give you this upper hand shall we say mental acuity and it's it's the music is great my wife loves it my our studio dog loves it she responds to it different frequencies that's wholetoneslive.com more on that later but let's get right to our guest tonight there's so much going on um again his website uh, yes kingdomintelligencebriefing.com right kingdomintelligencebriefing.com you can subscribe to their blog uh, just go to the website right on the right hand side enter your email address and you will receive notifications uh, and by email for new posts and, 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 and he's got teachings on here that are right, very great right and there, there are several websites that are affiliated with kingdom intelligence briefing but that's the main hub so go there and then you can be and then you can select your um, your course from there uh, Dr. Michael Lake, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we really appreciate your, your gift of time tonight. Well, Doug and Joe, it's a pleasure to be back with you tonight. And, and I was listening to your introduction. And, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things you, you end up being humbled because 
you you sit there and you kind of wonder who in the world are they talking about <laughs> and you you realize it's it's not you it's what Christ is doing in you and uh, it's just it's humbling. yeah you know and that's a lot of times we we get um at least I do you know so sometimes I'm I'm amazed I look around and I think what am I doing here I I mean not in a larger sense but you know why this assignment this earthly assignment because certainly I'm not worthy and I'm not my aptitude isn't that great for what we're what we're doing and I think it's all um you know it's an assignment from God and just being obedient and um it's not not us certainly not us it's it's of God so you know uh, praise be praise be his name indeed so but but you're a humble guy though because you're very talented and uh just want to say thank you for for your your works um the, the shiner directive you know um if i can just if i can just start there for a second that book uh really changed my perspective on a lot of things about the um about babylon the son of perdition uh, god's intervention the tower of babel how everything unfolded during those days and um you really paint the picture of how God reveals the end from the beginning in, the, in His Word, and how the conspiratorial view of history is the most biblical one, actually. And many people might be surprised to, to hear that, but that's true, isn't it? As we see at current events, we go back to we go back to that time, and we can see the, the, the conspiracy of all conspiracies being laid out right back in the on the plains of Shinar, and uh, really pushing forward through today you you can't read the bible without realizing just how much conspiracy is involved in everything whether you uh look at what happened under king saul king david i mean king david even had one of his own sons absalom conspire against him and so you see all this happening in the word of god and somehow there has been a disconnect uh that we we don't think the real world kind of works that way but you know you you have to be kind of raised in a closet to think that everything that's happening in the world today is happening by accident uh, it, it, it's impossible once you once you read that book and understand what the elite have been working on for millennia all of a sudden everything from the evening news to some of the crazy things politicians seem to be doing and not only in our country but other countries or the financial districts it all begins to make sense Boy, it certainly does. Yeah, it. I was I was talking with Joe and Eric the Tech um, here, and it seems to me that I, I mean there are so many headlines, so much news. We're just being inundated with. I mean, every day. To, to me, looking back, thinking back five years ago, or, or ten years ago, I don't know. But we'll just say five years ago. The amount of headlines, the amount of information that we would get in one day, or one week. It's like a today. It's in one day. I mean, it's just there's this excel, massive acceleration of, of events and things taking place. Um, but but. That's the way it's supposed to be. As we as we close in on the end of days, um, isn't that that's true, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's true. And part of the conspiracy is you know you, you have the truth out there, but then you uh, you surround it with a whole herd 
of, of other news to camouflage it. And so they, they try to inundate us many times with things. Uh, so that yeah. that's why you have to have discernment. Man, you, you need to be praying and saying, Holy Spirit, help me connect the dots and help me be able to discern truth from a lie. Because it's it there's a there's more propaganda being purported as news than there is real news many times. That's very true. Yeah, yeah, and and people need that discernment. We need to pray even harder and and more fervently than ever before to really understand what we need to be paying attention to. Kind of, kind of like a tree a triage. If you were a first responder and arriving at a mass casualty event, that's kind of how we feel as as. As we go through the news and the headlines and the information, we, we have to triage what we're seeing. And, um, we need that, that holy, that, that dis- discernment in, in order to, to be effective. And then bring that information to the people. And you do a, a great job with your kingdom intelligence briefings, folks. If you haven't seen those, go to kingdomintelligencebriefing.com or listen to those. Um, I, I mean, all of your briefings are, are so, right on target here i just uh it's incredible so um yeah it's a wonderful online ministry and a a great tool uh for people who are looking to to further understand the word of god and to um you know so many people are out there that listen to the show that don't have churches for homes anymore Uh, they have left the churches due to the churches conforming to the world with different issues and folks, people like Dr. Lake and his website and, and his body of work and his teachings, uh, I don't want to say replace the church life, uh, but they do replace the spiritual message that one should hear at church. A compliment. Right. Yeah, a compliment. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we still need the fellowship. We still need our, our prayer time and, and Bible studies. But, uh, again, uh, Dr. Lake's site is fantastic. Uh, for getting in-depth looks at different teachings and uh, different insights as to what the the scripture is saying and, and what God is saying to Dr. Lake as he continues on uh, with his ministry. That's right. Now, now Dr. Lake, as, as we were prayerfully considering tonight the discussion, the topics, the Looking out over the landscape of what we're just talking about, the current events, the news headlines, everything that's, that's, that's really facing us right now, what is on your heart right now? What, what, what are you looking at and saying, you know, we really should talk about, to a worldwide audience, we should be talking about this, or at least we should start off talking about this topic. What's on your heart? You know, where, where in the world do we, do we start? Do we, do we start with the, uh, protesters at the Trump rallies out in California that are actually validating what he said. Um, and th- th- you need to understand that's a tactic. That The, the tactics they are using, and then I, I'm amazed at our news media. Remember when the um, mainstream media, when the Tea Parties were having their protests and their meetings, and so you have these peaceable people just basically you know, being cordial, and the news media is saying, Oh, the whore, did you see the sign that they had? You know, and and when when they when when they get done with the site, these people clean up, police their own area, make sure everything is is cleaner than it was than when they left. Now compare that to what we're seeing in California, and you can actually go back and compare it to when the Nazis begin to take over in Germany and begin to take over the political system. Their brown shirts would go in and get violent in the protest to shut down their opponents. Yeah. And so we're, this is a Nazi tactic. 
Very much so. And now, now people will hear that. And anytime you mention Nazi or Hitler in a conversation or, or in a writing or whatever, you know, people automatically, um, and there's a term for that. And I'm not even sure what it is, but people automatically gravitate toward that term and think, oh, this is hyperbole. But, but it's not. I'm amazed right now at the political atmosphere, uh, what's taking place. I'm amazed at the, this. Uh, people don't see that they're being gamed. They're being, they're pawns in, in a larger game, especially with the Trump, Sanders, Clinton, the whole debacle. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm amazed too, as well. We're seeing uh, Donald Trump blamed. He was blamed by the uh, mayor of, what was that, San Jose or, or somewhere out in California uh, for, uh, yeah, San Jose. Uh, you know, how dare you come to our city and, 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 and Basically, being blamed for the uh, the the fallout that was caused by others, it, it, it's it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, um, you know, I'm I'm, no. I'm act like a thug to prove that I'm not a thug. It, that that argument does not work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't. Well, well, speaking of politics and, and Donald Trump and, and the environment here. Can, can I ask? Can we can, can we talk about where you see the uh, this whole thing going? I mentioned to my wife we we, were, we had to go to the post office and do some things today, and I said, you know, Clinton just uh, today's the California primary, right? I'm, I'm, I believe yes, and Clinton is expected to tie that up. And I was thinking back back in 1968, that was RFK's moment, I believe, in the, the Ambassador Hotel and. Uh, Los Angeles, and that was his last day um, as a functional person. And of course, he was shot and died the next day. I, I mean, I'm looking at, at at these events, and I'm thinking, my goodness, this is worse than 1968. Um, the d- divide and such. What do you see? I think part of it we're seeing the cycle. There, there is an occultic cycle. Uh, that we had in the 90s, it was revolution via drugs, sex, and rock and roll. And uh, all of that had an occult uh, theme to it. They were beginning to transform society. And what we're seeing today is all those that were uh, a part of of this uh, occult revolution that invaded America during the 60s all grew up. They all got degrees and became respectable, if you will, and so this this is the revolution 2.0 of taking it and another step further. That's why it's so intermeshed with the LGBT and 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 all these different things. They're they're looking for a way to expunge uh, any influence of the God of the Bible out of society because it, it's holding back what they want. Uh, they, they they keep on telling us they they want to be more like you know we need to be more like Europe. I don't see anything right now in Europe that I want to identify with. Uh, that if you if you mention conspiracy right now in Europe, they want to send you to a reeducative camp. Uh, there are people right now that if you would if you're on Facebook in Europe and you like something that says something bad about the EU, you're being arrested. I don't think I want Should that. Only no no. But but do you, do you, I mean I see it coming to this country? Yeah. Well, the the, the big problem there's two things that they have got to got to remove from the consciousness of America: the Word of God and the Constitution. And if they can remove those two things, then they can get what they want done. 
and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I look at we 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 have we have a a man running for the presidency that is pushing socialism while we have socialist governments crumbling all around the world. Yeah, it's exactly. it's a experiment. It doesn't work, but it's Venezuela. Yeah, it's philosophy takes us away from the word of God, and once once socialism, you know, socialism goes into communism, and communism will go into Luciferianism. There's there's this philosophical flow that they try to take you in, and they're they're trying to really force it on America right now. Well, Doctor Lake, looking at uh, look looking at this, and again, I was talking with my wife, and I said, I I just don't uh, I I don't really. Um, I'm surprised at the groups who are embracing it and, and really um, putting people like Bernie Sanders on a pedestal. But, but I, I, I kind of understand why. I just, I, I'm not understanding why there's no significant pushback from the conservatives as well as the Christians, and, and in particular the Christians, because of what you just said. I mean, socialism to communism to Luciferianism, it's its a very short, expedient hop. But we're seeing this, this uh, putting Sanders on the pedestal and to a lesser, but uh, to, to a lesser extent in terms of its visceral nature, Hillary Clinton, Sanders, I mean, uh, reading today, Sanders supporters just extremely I mean they're seething I think that was the word used on the Drudge Report today because of Clinton's nomination I do expect blowback uh, from this now, I, I guess I'm kind of all over the board here but but um, you, you can't preach revolution without it getting messy yeah <laughs> okay and, and I, th- I think the Democratic Convention this year could be really messy you know, messier than the Republican, do you think, the convention? Because because of the, um, uh, because of Trump himself. I mean, we know that that uh, Black Lives Matter and, and Soros uh, uh, has backed. I mean, he's purchased many blocks of hotel rooms. He or his proxies have um, in the Cleveland area, even all the way down through Akron, Canton area, and uh, into into Northeast Ohio, Ashley Beulah to. Uh, on the on the east side to, to uh, many miles west as well, so I'm looking at some explosive things that be happening at the Republican convention outside anyway. Yeah, outside I think of the Democratic convention it could be inside because you're right. going to have a lot of delegates that are die-hard uh, socialists that are not going to be satisfied with anything but their man being the candidate. Hmm. So it, it, Any, uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, to say the least, uh, definitely interesting. Okay. Well, in terms of the larger picture here, a, a view from cruising altitude, we've got, uh, it, it would presumptively, we've got Trump versus Clinton, and with, but we don't know that. I mean, I guess stepping back, do you see that? Uh, do you see that as the end result on both sides uh, uh trump on the on the on the right or on the republican and and clinton on the on the democratic or do you think it's too early yet to tell i think it's too early to tell on the democratic side that's why i mean it, it could it could get revolutionary at the at the mm-hmm. democratic party um but 
you know, with with what I'm I'm looking at here, uh, and and even listening to the, I have never heard so many prophets uh, be so divided. You you've got you've got some prophesying that uh, uh, te, you know that Ted Cruz was supposed to be president. You got some prophesying that another was supposed to be president, or or Donald Trump, or or Hillary Clinton, or that uh, Obama's really not going to get out of the White House, and so we're going to have two presidents. We're going to have Hillary Clinton and Obama in the White House at the same time. And uh, I'm thinking, golly, guys, <laughs> heaven is not speaking all these things. Hmm. And so I, I, I kind of, you know, um, I, I sometimes I feel like the little old lady that was prophesying one time in church, and she said, "These are hard times, saith the Lord. These are tough times, saith the Lord. These times even scareth me, saith the Lord." You know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, it. It. Have you? I mean, in your life, during the course of your life, is there any other time in, in your life that you could remember a, t- a time such as this, uh, with a with a political landscape and the social turmoil and all of this? I mean, or is this? Do, do, is this different? This is different. I, I'm, of course, you know, back in the '60s, I was you know I was born in 1960, so I was I was little then. But uh, going back and just looking at the the turmoil we had, we, there was a lot of turmoil. But I, I don't think to the extent that it is now. And uh, I think that they have done an outstanding job of uh, taking over our universities. Uh, where the, the we're no longer taught constitution, we're no longer taught even uh, decent morality. Uh, that they're taught just the opposite. Uh, Woodrow uh, Wilson was it Woodrow Wilson uh, when I believe it was Woodrow Wilson when he was the uh, president of of Princeton said our job is to make sure that our graduates turn out nothing like their fathers. Yeah, that had that has been a progressive uh, mindset uh, from the very beginning. Interesting, Doctor Lake. Uh, back to what you talked about with the violence against the Trump supporters, the anti-Trump protests. Uh, let's say he emerges as the nominee from the convention, and we'll say that the uh, the, the the problems from the the crowds and the protesters are uh, well kept to a minimum. Um, but this this attitude we see towards Trump as he goes from city to city, and as my dad pointed out just recently, we see the politicians are getting involved. I think the mayor of South Carolina commented and also or the governor of South Carolina and the mayor of San Jose uh, and now we have journalists calling for violence against Trump um, can you see this snowballing to a point where the elections or the election of Trump itself turns into a national emergency in a sense delaying the elections there, there's a, a possibility of that. I, I don't know necessarily if the people would tolerate that. Uh, one of the things that I that I am seeing is anyone connected uh, to the elite in any way, or their buttons are being pushed because they're he, he's not playing their game. And, you know, I don't agree with everything that he says. I don't agree with some of his tactics. Uh, but one thing for sure is, it, in, in the midst of all this, everybody's kind of showing who they are, aren't they? Very much so. Thank you for saying that. And, and before I forget, Dr. Lake, I, I, man, 
this really kind of gets it, it 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 is a hot button issue for me and um you can either address it now or later on but um I get a lot of email and even uh, regular mail people saying, well, really, we, we shouldn't really be that tied up mentally or spend that much energy in really caring about who the next uh, uh, president might be of the United States. I mean, I understand, I understand that, that, uh, I'm, I'm, I understand where they're coming from, where people are coming from. Basically, I'm, I'm often accused of being too earthly minded as opposed to heavenly minded. And um, it goes right along with people saying, well, I'm going to vote for Jesus in this election. Now, last I checked, Dr. Lake, and I'm not trying to be flippant here. Well, maybe I am. I didn't see his name on the ballot. And I, I, uh, but I understand the sentiment behind this. But I don't agree with it. Are you? Are, can you address this? Because are, are we not appointed to be... Um, you know, although we're not appointed to be of the world, so to speak, but we're still living in the world, so we've got to be active. Christians have to be. Don't Christians have to take up the mantle and, and run through the gauntlet? And aren't we appointed to do that? We are. You know, if, if we're not, and one of the things that's happening, you know, Christianity is under such attack today, but it's a fulfillment of Jesus' words. Jesus said, you're supposed to be salt. You're supposed to be the preserving agent within society. And the moment that you quit doing that, the world has the right to trample you underfoot. And okay. part of the reason that we are in this predicament today is so many of us were playing church and not really paying attention what, to what was going on as a nation, not paying attention uh, to what was going on, uh, what our children were being taught, what universities were teaching. And because we weren't paying attention and having a voice, look at what they've done. And they've exactly. done it at the absence of our voice. Thank you for saying that. I agree with that. I, I mean, a vacuum is created when 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 Christians are not responsive or or they're not playing their position. A, a vacuum is created to me. At least that's the way it feels to me. So it is. It is. Yeah. If if any time that you dim light, darkness takes over. And you know where where were the riots in America? when we had a Masonically-based Supreme Court take prayer out of school and, and all these different things that said you could no longer read the Word of God uh, in the school. Where, where, where were the Christians saying, I don't think we're going to tolerate that? But we, we sat back, we held our peace, and as long as we hold our peace, they keep taking more and more and more away. And yet it's our job to be light and salt in the earth. But when that light refuses to shine, we, we have to be involved in what goes on in our communities. We have to be involved in speaking into the morality of a nation. If we don't, we abdicate that right and give it to the other kingdom. And because of that, we are where we are right now. In fact, it's getting to the place, guys, in, in much of ministry 
the cultural agenda is now transforming ministry instead of the ministry transforming the culture. Wow. That's a, yeah. that's a heavy statement. Very well said. Um, and it's unfortunate that the, uh, the lukewarm, uh, the majority of churches have conformed to the world instead of being the light that you, uh, just described. Uh, I heard it said, I think from a Jonathan Kahn speech that, you know, light does not conform to darkness. Instead, uh, everything conforms to light and that we need to be the light that uh, Christ set as an example for us to be. And if the church is not being the example, and and in fact setting the opposite example, this is why we see the falling away that we do. And I don't believe uh, until the Lord pours out His Spirit upon all that we will see a true revival of these churches and the lukewarm congregants. Well, let me let me share this with you. This is a theological sociological conundrum. Okay, does does America need to be judged? Yes, yes. Okay. America needs to be judged. But when you pull in everything that I share in the in the Shiner Directive, the elite uh, they knew that they could not pull down America. They couldn't take it down because God's hand was on it. And so what they had to do. You know, they want to get rid of the Constitution. They also want to get rid of the hand of protection of Almighty God on the United States of America. And so the only way to do that, it, it's, it's the doctrine of Balaam. You get them to the place where God curses them because they have broken covenant. They have become so immoral that the Almighty must act. But here, here's the conundrum that I'm looking at. They have done this slowly over over a hundred years. You know, I, I document in the book where they have contaminated our seminaries, they have contaminated our schools. Kids, you know, e- even college graduates are only taught enough to make them feel like they have learned without really teaching them anything at all. That's why when they graduate, they're not ready. All of yeah. this was done on purpose. They have funded ministries. Listen to me. They have funded ministries that then became the prototype that everybody else began to follow. Uh, I think it was on your show, if I'm remembering right. It was either you or or True News, where, um, oh, his name just left me. Um, He published the Babylon Code. Paul McGuire. Paul McGuire was sharing that when uh, a major Christian college, when they began teaching how to do the mega church stuff, they brought in new age gurus to teach these seminarians. Yeah. And so yeah. they 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 have positioned us. They have they they have created and caused to prosper the prophets of Baal, while the Elijahs and those that are faithful have been starving out. And so here's my question. If it, it, uh, I guess there's a premise there because one of the things that your show is doing, one of the things that we're trying to do with the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing is to wake up the remnant, get the remnant praying, get the remnant to, to, to repenting, and get the remnant to begin asking forgiveness of the occult sins that have empowered all these things. If we do our job right, 
Can God not judge the elite that perpetrated this crime against our nation while setting the remnant free? Absolutely, he can. And I, I think that's one of the reasons right now our prophets are all over the place, because there, there's so much in flux. I want the judgment of God to land on the on the puppeteers, not on the people connected to the strings, because sometimes the people on the strings need to have those strings cut so they have a choice, and either they're going to choose the way of God or run back into darkness, then they can be judged. But there's, exactly. there's, there has to be a, a supernatural, spiritual inflection point in this struggle to where the mind control is broken, the financial manipulation is broken, that everybody is shown for exactly who they are. And I think that's kind of being done right now to a certain degree. So yeah, I, I think you're right. Up. Yeah. I, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but, but I think you're absolutely correct. I, I think exposure is happening at, at, a, at a at a rate that perhaps the puppeteers, the elite, the power behind the curtain, the men behind the curtain, women behind the curtain, hadn't expected. And it's creating a well. I think we can see it manifest in, in things like uh, the movement, the Trump movement, not Trump himself, but the, but the um, um, what we're seeing result of, of of his candidacy and his speeches and uh you know all of all they want to keep this stuff hidden but but it's being shown yeah and i i think the one thing that is contagious about him is he doesn't filter his agenda and hide it with politically correct rhetoric he just tells you what he thinks and there's a lot of people that are kind of finding that refreshing yeah I, I agree. No, no, let me just kind of play devil's advocate just for a second here. Uh, Dr. Lake, in your professional insight and assessment, is it possible that, that, and I don't know how many people have really addressed this topic, but, but here were pe- people, including conservatives, true conservatives, capital C, Christians, they're looking for a change, and they're putting a lot of hope in one man. And they're looking for change to come from the top down, as opposed to from the bottom up. Is it possible that 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 we could, even with a, a, a Trump win in the White House, and and even with some key people being put in the positions of decision, where they could, well, Trump by virtue of himself, he could uh, make some Supreme Court appointments, and I, I mean a lot of things will be affected by this election. Is it possible, however? things could go too far to the other side um, being the antithesis of well too far to the other side to the extent where people might say wait a minute I mean you know um, well you know number one we, we don't trust the man hmm. you know the, the this the, we, we have been fed this that if we you know just get the right man and that things would be better when things get better, when on a grassroots movement, people begin turning to God and to begin praying, and it becomes such a force that those that are in power have to yield to it. Very well said. Okay. And so, and I think, yeah, we got to keep that in mind. I mean, people have to understand that. 
first yeah, and because, foremost. That's what, what they what want is, well, just let this guy, and then we can sit back and go back to sleep. You go back to sleep, we're going to wake up, we're going to be worse off than we were when you went to sleep. <laughs> you know, wake up, engage in the kingdom, and keep being a voice for truth. And so abide in the truth that when anyone, well, I don't care if it's Donald Trump, I don't care if it's Hillary Clinton or anyone else, no matter what they're speaking, that you have this internal lie detector going on that you can tell it's not lining up with the kingdom and they're not being forthright about their true agenda. And man, if we would have that go on and discernment in the body of Christ where we begin calling out what's really going on, that's what's going to transform politics. Amen. Very well said. So sometimes I think, I, I don't know, that uh, citing from that movie, They Live, it was a 1970s cult favorite where uh, a pair of sunglasses were used to see the real um, people behind the, the, the skin suits, if you will. I don't know how many people saw that, but I, sometimes I, I think, Dr. Lake, that we need... Um, the spiritual discernment glasses passed out to, to all the Christians, uh, in particular, to, to, to see, you know, what's behind the facade, what's behind the, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I remember the first time I was on your show, we were talking about the book, and I, I spoke about mind control and just that we need to plead the blood of Jesus between our eyes and what we see and our ears and what we hear, especially with television. And uh, I remember making the statement, once you do that, after all, you're going to start yelling at the news because you know they're lying. And the guy wouldn't believe how many guys, you know, I've, I've had so many emails that thought, I thought you were crazy when you said that. But, you know, the Holy Spirit said, well, go ahead and do it. And, and you know, it's been two weeks now, and now I'm yelling at my TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do. I mean, we're, yeah, it's... Because you you see through, you see through their 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 manipulation and their their cycle babble, and and yeah. you know lying. Yeah, it, it even more today. I, I mean, I, and I I came of age during the Walter Cronkite era of news reporting, as you did. I mean, we're not we're not that far off in age. I might have a little bit on you, but anyway, you're better looking than I am. So. Um, <laughs> I remember back then, even my parents, you know, you'd listen to Walter Cronkite, and of course he was the man, you know, the, the, the man giving you the news, that's the way it is, and you and people would believe that, but now today, the newscasts, now there, there's more cynicism, I believe, with the mainstream uh, newscasts, which is good, but yeah. yet, it, they seem to be doubling down. Don't they? I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're just doubling down on their rhetoric. That's how that's how they get their paychecks. You either follow this line or you're out. Right. And, uh, you don't get very far in in the traditional news media unless you toe the line. And uh, so that's that's really their only choice. Uh, of course, I think a lot of them have been in it so long. They've they've been drinking the Kool Aid so long. They will actually believe what's on the monitor. No, that's true. It's and as you point out, as well in in many of your, um, uh, as many in many of your teachings, and then folks go to kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. Please visit the site, and folks, if you haven't already, and I'm really going to push 
the book, The Shinar Directive. I really believe everyone needs to grab a hold of The Shinar Directive and really read it and understand it because the, what I see, I mean, you've got the blueprints of today being founded, germinated, originated, I don't know, back on the plains of Shinar, back in Babylon, and we're seeing the same, I don't know, the same players, the same spirit of players today at work. It's mystery Babylon. It's contaminated the church. It controls politics. It controls finances. And the only thing that ever pushes mystery Babylon back is the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And I, you know, let's let you know. We ask you know, should we get involved in politics? This you know, look at uh, in Israel because we we have that type and shadow in shadow and the the Old Testament, and the Word of God. Now the uh, you had the kings, you know, the king's palace, and you also had the temple. And isn't that where the prophets spoke? You know, they they went up and in yes. fact Jeremiah. I mean, he was so popular that they they forbid him to go into the into the temple and prophesy anymore. And so he had to have uh, his, you know, his second-hand guy uh, go in and read his prophecies, and they got so mad that they would then burn the scrolls after the guy read them. Mm. But but yet those things came to pass. God has a right to speak into a society, especially one that at its founding said it was in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God remembers. And we can even we can even take it back before that. I've got documents in my library when the original pilgrims came over. Uh, they dedicated this land to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But even went as far as to say that the law of Moses would be the law of the land. Yes. And so you know the, the elite love to use the you know the the principle the first one in sets the stage. Well, Jack, we were the first ones in, and we set the stage. You came in and usurped on top of that. You were the tear to God's wheat that he was trying to plant. And, and you can go back to almost every... The uh, the persecution of the American Indian, well, many of them will go back to uh, uh, to Masonic schemes in America. And uh, while the Christians were trying to lead them to the Lord, uh, it, it, was, it was those in the secret societies that were driving them out of their own land and trying to commit genocide. And heaven remembers all that. The, the blood is still crying out. Uh, the blood is still crying out today of every child that is sacrificed in the name of convenience in America. It's crying out for God to judge the ones who put it into place. And that judgment will take place. It will happen. Um, well, I just, I, I just love these kinds of discussions, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, truly an intellectual and uh, spiritual discussion about current events, and I think I think this is. Uh, I'm so excited to have Doctor Lake on our program tonight. I really am. Uh, Absolutely. I just, I, I just, uh, it's to me. This is just such an honor. Um, I, I'd like to, if we can, uh, maybe we can do it in the next hour. But getting into the Sharif imperative a little yeah. bit. Talking yeah. about, you have a chapter in, in the Sharif Imperative talking about the fuel behind the kingdom of darkness. I'd like to talk to you, Dr. Lake, about the kingdom of darkness and the ways that we're seeing the kingdom of darkness encompass our current world uh, today to the point where what we talked about earlier, uh, we even have churches, ministries, pastors, congregants conforming 
to this kingdom of darkness, knowingly and unknowingly. What are they doing? I mean, sorry to interrupt you, Joe, no, I mean, but, 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 but Dr. Lake, I mean, we are seeing, to me, has this happened before to the church in general where it seemed, they seem to be intoxicated or uh, I don't even know what to, how to describe it, but it, it's this it's this perversion. Yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. When you, when you read in Malachi, and Malachi is a, a, an, an interesting chapter because I, I love to go into that book and just preach some solid meat. But God judged the Levitical order. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we had the rabbinical movement and, and actually opened up because Jesus wasn't of the, he was of the, wasn't of the tribe of Levi, he was of the tribe of Judah. And because God judged the Levites, and, and when you really understand what was going on in Malachi, God dressed them down. And he said, now, you know, in your mouth, uh, he said, he said, uh, the law of truth was in his mouth talking about Levi and iniquity was not found in him. He walked with me in peace and inequity and did not turn away from, and turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they that seek the law, those, uh, they should seek the law in his mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. In other words, the true knowledge of God should be what you're, what you're expressing to the people. And what the Levites did, they quit teaching the people what they needed to hear. And they started teaching them what they wanted to hear. And we have a lot of ministries now, instead of hitting their knees and getting to the place to where the presence of God is on on the on fire on the inside of you and you know that you know that God has spoken and then it, it doesn't matter what it costs you there is a fire burning on the inside of you it's like fire shut up in your bones that you've got to speak instead of doing that they're looking at demographics to see what the people want to hear and what's popular. And, you know, when I preached this, the offerings went up, or when I preached this, the attendance went up. I remember Jesus preached a sermon, and everybody walked away from him but 12. That's my, that's, that's my role model. Is, is if I make everybody mad but the remnant, then I've done my job. Amen. As unpopular as that might be, and, it, and, and you're right, it, it seems like there's this, uh, well, you know, we see it in the prosperity movement, we see it in the uh, uh, basically anything goes, and, and of course, you know, the, it, it's always the bottom line with, with, or not always, but it seems like um, it's the bottom line that um, many churches, in quotation marks, are looking at its attendance, its, its uh, um, offerings, its... And, and guys, so, you know, yeah. Go ahead. So, so many pastors, and my hats out for a lot of pastors because you wouldn't believe. I remember back in the '90s when you know everything on the Christian TV stations and a lot of the stuff was beginning to come in in force on that, and you wouldn't believe the demands the sheep made on the pastors to turn it into what they saw on TV. Wow. Pastors were removed from office because they wouldn't. They wouldn't do. You know, the, the music needs to be this way. You, you need to preach this kind of sermon. You need to do this. And my hats are off to the guys that refused to bow. Because guys, we're entering into a time. There are there are pastors out there, and some of you may be listening to me right now. And you used to have four, five, six, seven hundred people, and because you refused to compromise, you went down to eighty. 
you're about to enter into a period of time, gentlemen, that you're not going to be able to big, build fast enough because the remnant will only be satisfied with truth. And the remnant are waking up. And it's the pastors who are faithful that they're going to hunt down and want to be a part of. Wow. <clears throat> that is, so you're painting a picture of not just hope, but of, of uh, true salvation here. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of the circus that we have called church is on the verge of dying, and they don't even know it yet. They're going to they're going to increase the hype, but there are so many people that are waking up say, don't give me hyper-grace, give me balanced grace. Give me the word. Tell me about sin so that I can avoid, avoid it. Tell me what God really wants in my life. How do I, how do I go from just going to church once, once a week on the weekend to absolutely tra being transformed by the power of God? Uh, I did a, a message here not too long ago on the five aspects of grace. And, uh, most people are still playing out in God's kiddie pool of unmerited favor. And that's just the beginning of grace. And, uh, there's so much more to it that we need to get into. Uh, that God wants to assist. You know, there's there's saving grace. There there is transforming grace. There's empowering grace, and then there's enduring grace. And let me tell you something. In the times that we're getting ready to head into, you better have that enduring level of grace operating in your life. Amen. How do we achieve enduring grace? We've got about uh, ninety seconds uh, uh, left here, but but. Is it through prayer, repentance, and fasting? I mean, or, or immersion in the Word, or all of the above? I mean, all of the above. I think we got to start out the cry. God, make sure that I'm saved. I want that saving grace to to take hold, and then the the next level of grace is transforming grace. And I think we have to begin crying out for the transforming power of God. We need to go from Abram to Abraham. And there's, there's this transformational thing of, of when we really walk with God, God begins to work on us and transform us into who we can be only through Him. That's what we need in this hour. Got it. Absolutely. Wow. Dr. Lake, we are at the top of the hour break. Folks, go to Dr. Michael Lake's website, kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. That's kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. Dot com. Subscribe to his uh, email blog. Check out the teachings that he has on there. Grab his book, The Shinar Directive. And coming soon, The Sharif Imperative, a book my dad wrote the forward to. And uh, that will be uh, released here in the fall. And on his website, you have the uh, chapters and the breakdown of what the book is about. Looks like it's very interesting. We will be right back with Dr. Michael Lake on the other side of this Tuesday edition. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two of this Tuesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Got a quick announcement before we get back to our guest, Dr. Michael Lake. Uh, Stan Deo, uh, as you know, joins us every Tuesday in the third hour. But for the next two months until either the last week in July or the first week in August, he will be taking off from our show as he prepares his lecture series for the conference that he will be attending in Colorado in July. Just wanted to make that announcement because he said he has been swamped and he's been trying to get this done. And uh, it'll be nice for him to, to take a little break and be able to focus and concentrate on that. And we know Stan always brings his best, so we do keep him in our prayers and hope for the best for him and his conference and look forward to hearing about the lecture when he comes back. Amen. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're so lucky to have Dr. Michael Lake with us. What an incredible intellectual mind, and um, it, it's gr- it's great to have these kinds of discussions. And I'm just, I can't tell you how much I appreciate Dr. Michael Lake. And I'm holding right now, for those people watching on YouTube, I'm holding a, a copy of his book, The Shinar Directive. Folks, if you, if you haven't... Um, if you have not read this or had the opportunity to read this, man, is it a great book. It's a great read. I've taken so many notes and, uh, it, it from this book. It really, it really kind of paints the picture, gives the foundational, um, context for what we're seeing take place today. Uh, in the scheme or in the same context of housekeeping, I just want to mention, folks, if you want, uh, those who haven't yet got my book, Stained by Blood, if you if you want to order it uh, through Amazon, you can. Kindle edition is out, but also I, I still have um, I, don't, I don't know how many I, I, can, I say this all the time, but I look in the uh, storage area there and I, I have uh, uh, I don't know uh, couple dozen copies left if you want yours autographed or uh, personalized uh, just go to stainedbyblood.com stainedbyblood.com and uh, look on the top right there and then you can fill it out and tell me how you'd like me to send it and i'll send you one out so that's stainedbyblood.com joe uh we were talking before the top of the hour break with Dr. Lake about a number of things, but coming back, I know uh, during the break, Dr. Lake mentioned he wanted to get back into the subject of grace. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Dr. Lake, and, and let's get into this. Uh, Not a problem. Before we start that, I just want to say that uh, I do have a copy of Stained by Blood setting on my 
book pile that is reserved. I want to be starting vacation here in a couple of weeks. And so there is a tall glass of tea, and that book in an easy chair, waiting to be here in a couple of weeks. And, man, I can't wait. Well, I'm, I'm honored, uh, Dr. Lake. Thank you so much. And uh, just so people remember, that was um, 30 years ago. So uh, I'm a much different man. Not that there's anything offensive in the book, but that uh, was an investigation I did 30 years ago. So people have to really put that in context with uh, the current, the Doug Hagman. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, based on a true story. And, of course, that was about the murder of my uncle. So thanks. But, uh, yeah, enjoy. And let me know what you think. But, uh, yeah, before the break, we're talking about grace. And if we can revisit that, yeah. that would be great. You know, where we get in trouble is when you take something that is a true concept in God's Word, and because, for whatever motivation, you stretch it so far beyond biblical boundaries that you transform it into something else. Uh, we're living in a time, you know, in Galatians, they were talking about another gospel being preached, and the Apostle Paul had to deal with the fact that there were um, uh, Pharisees from the school of Shammai that were teaching the Gentiles that they could only be saved through circumcision, which is what they were preaching before the cross. That's why I said it's it's not necessarily new. You've heard it before. But it was another gospel. We're, we're, we're having another gospel preached to us today that is offering a, a different grace. You know, the, the, the song Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, the third verse, and, you know, I'm Baptist, so we always go first, second, you know, third verse, whatever, uh, when I was growing up, so we always had that one. There's a line in it that said, it was your grace that taught my heart to fear. And then my fear relieved. Grace is God's unmerited favor that allows you to see the repulsiveness of your sin. And that you need a savior. Without the preaching of sin, Grace cannot work. There is no salvation without seeing the horror of your sin and the remedy of it through the cross. You can't be saved because you're, there's, there's no repentance. The first thing Jesus did when he came on the scene and John the Baptist both, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Every major move of God starts with repentance. And so that unmerited favor is really... We, we see starting in the garden that Adam and Eve should have been a grease spot after after they ate their fruit God could have come down and said you know what I told you you were a dead man when you t- when you ate that and you don't want me to lie to you do you and that would and, and the word of God would have ended in Genesis chapter 3 the humanity was a great idea it's a shame they ate of the tree but grace started there and he said listen I'm going to make a way out for saving grace to take hold of our lives, God's got to, God has got to show us the ugliness of sin and what it's done in us and what it's done through us so that we can see the beauty of the cross. Then when we repent, that grace causes the salvation act to begin to take a hold. And now some people just want to sit down there, okay, I've got my Willy Wonka golden ticket, God's going to let me in, and I can just settle my blessed assurance and do nothing else. But what we see from Scripture is that anyone that has ever been touched by salvation, God brings them into a period of transformation. 
And I, I think that's one of the things that, that we, we have to have now that God has been showing us prophetically that there is a river of God being released right now. And, you know, sometimes when you talk, talk about stuff like this, people get really goofy, you know. And because uh, there's a lot of things that I think we have called revival that are not revival at all. They're of the flesh, they're of another spirit. If it does not produce true repentance, and after that repentance take hold, takes hold, if it doesn't produce holiness, it's not a real revival. And with this river that's coming, the only God, one of the things God specifically told me about it is the only ones that are allowed to get into this river and to begin to, to move with it are those that begin to cry out for transformation. And transformation is what we see throughout the, the entire Word of God. We see Abram, he, he came from a family that made idols for a living in Babylon. And God called him out. And then Almighty God met with him, and, and we, we read it in the English, and we don't really understand the full uh, the full spectrum of what God was saying, because it says, you know, I'm, I'm Almighty God, uh, walk upright before me. And we, we kind of read that and say, okay, I'm Almighty God. Now that you got my attention, Jack, you better straighten up and fly right, because I'm watching you, is what most people read that. But in the Hebrew, it reads completely different. He says, okay, you, you've left Babylon. I am now El Shaddai. I am I am the all-sufficient one. I, de- I have everything you need. And on the flip side of El Shaddai, anybody messes with you, I can also be the God, your destroyer, because I'll destroy your enemies if they come after you. And I want you to walk with me. But in that walking with me, I'm going to bring you into a state of wholeness, a state of integrity, a state of transformation into something you're not now, but when I get through with you, you will be. That's why we see at the beginning of Abram's life, he got scared and lied and, and, and said that his wife was his sister. But then later on, as, as God takes him through this transformation process, and Lot is, is taken captive with, with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, that he out of his household, he raises up an army that takes, that takes on several kings and wins. That's a different man than the one that started that was scared of Pharaoh. Because God said, now that I'm walking with you, in the walking with me day in and day out every day, I'm going to begin transforming you into what I had in mind when I called you. And there's there's a lot of remnant out there tonight that you're living up to one-tenth of one percent of your potential in the kingdom of God. Because you were never taught to walk with God. You were never taught to cry out for transformation. And and heaven is speaking to you tonight. You see, if we can transform the individual, then we can transform the home. If we get enough homes transformed, we can transform the church. If we get the church transformed, the church can transform the community. And we get enough communities transformed, you can change a nation. But it has to start with each individual saying, God, transform me. I'm tired of, of not being what you created me to be, not being the man of God or woman of God or, or seeing my gifts really flourish and prosper underneath your hand for your purposes and your causes and not the devil's. And if, well, that's we'll a, a major, 
I apologize for interrupting, but that's a major, uh, what you just touched on is a major issue. We see so often that, uh, people new to the faith or, or revitalized in their faith that come back to prayer, come back to Jesus and come back to the word, but they don't see the transition in their lives. And one, it, it's a matter of, you know, not walking out the obedience part of it. And what would you say to encourage those who are, reading the scriptures who are praying and seeking diligently to to be changed and, and praying for as much uh what are some things that they can do to make that happen faster i know that the lord uh you know will help those who go the extra mile that don't just do the lip service and stop there uh that that walk with them uh every second of every day but what are some things people can do to to start that transformation, to get that transformation uh, going? Well, the the modern Laodicean church has turned the Word of God into a book of promises. And some of them have even taken it a step further, and it's almost like a book of spells. You know, you you pray and you pray in this way, then God's got to give you this, and God's got to do that. You know, God God didn't have to do a thing. The grace was that he saved us when we were unsavable. But once once you're saved and you begin examining the Word of God, you open it with, with this because, you know, Hebraically, the highest form of worship is the study of the Word. It's not the shouting and the jumping and everything you do during your church services. It's getting in the Word to find out how He said to live a way that makes Him happy. And what I have discovered is that there is a perfect continuity from Genesis to Revelation where that's concerned. You know, the, we, there, there is a jaundice against the law of God uh, in the modern church. Now, the law cannot save, but the law never did save. God didn't give Israel the law and then get them out of Egypt. The law was given to a free people at Mount Sinai. Because he had to give them something to help them separate the mystery religions and sin from, from righteousness in the kingdom of God. And so when I'm reading in the Word and God says, this is sin, this is wrong, that's on my list of, uh, Mike Lake won't do it anymore. And and if the flesh of Mike Lake wants to do it, then Mike Lake go, get, goes and gets a hammer nail and crucifies that thing and nails it to the cross. But if God says, this is righteous conduct, then I begin asking the Holy Spirit to empower me to begin living that way. Wow. And you, you wouldn't believe how anxious or, or how excited, I guess I should say, the Holy Spirit is. When you look to him and say, please work on me and make me want to do that because... The Apostle Paul told me to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who will cause me to will and to do his good pleasure. And so I'm asking you to help me to do the, the not only to give me the will to do it, but the power to do it. Amen. Very well laid out there. Instructive. That that's the you know, that's, that's the way that we preach. And that has been the most transformational for me 
is is when 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 I read the word, I begin seeing myself do it the way that God says to do it. Hmm. And you know, eventually it gets in your heart, and when you start doing it, and it brings blessing to your life, all of a sudden you start getting excited about it. Sure, and that also speaks to. Um, and forgive of my forgive me if my terminology is not a hundred percent here, but that also speaks to the matter of salvation. You know, a Christian who considers himself or herself saved, the behavior subsequent to becoming saved or becoming or making that decision, your behavior by immersion in the Word, uh, which, as you point out, is 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 the is a form of um I'm not even sure exactly how you said it but uh uh worship you know it, it's a high form of worship you're not going to be inclined shall I say or or you're not going to have the proclivities of sin um because of the transformation which goes back to grace which you talked about did I connect the dots okay on that kind you of did. sort of you did because that that's there there is a a working of grace that helps to transform but, but but look at the way that we have we have been preaching on the airwaves in the last 20 30 years it's all about what god can do for you instead about how to, instead of how do you live for god mm-hmm. now that he's, and now that he's done this marvelous thing of saving you from sin and here's here's the kicker, guys. He didn't save us from hell. That's a side benefit. He saved us from the power of sin. Why? So I could yield my members no longer to unrighteousness, but the Apostle Paul says, but so I could have the ability to choose to lend my members unto righteousness and let Jesus live through me. Powerful, yeah. But but in context, again, I mean, folks, you really have to listen to what Doctor Lake is saying here, and and really understand this and, and take it to heart. At least I do. Very very well spoken and, and very instructive in terms of our walk and and our immersion in the Word and an understanding. Which all of this gives us understanding too. It's it's really it's it's wow marvelous. Okay, Doctor Lake, we have a, a emailer uh, Lois who wrote in and, and wanted to know. Uh, she had a question, um, and she says this. Uh, she said, uh, Doctor Lake, and I have heard others talk about the remnant being asleep or not paying attention, and if they would just start paying attention, things would change. I believe, however, that when you say pray for repentance for the occult activity, uh, they go on to say, but what and how do you pray against what is going on? Do we pray for God to expose it or for God to not allow it? Imprecatory prayer? Perhaps? And how do we address the coming destruction in prayer? Okay, well, let's, let's get back down because this actually leads us into the next topic that Doug was wanting me to talk about. What empowers the kingdom of darkness? And so I need to kind of connect some dots for you. Okay. The Bible, the Bible says when, when Lucifer sinned, that iniquity was found in him. And 
basically the the act of rebelling against God. He was the anointed cherub that covered, that he literally had the ability to cover over the throne of God. He was the canopy, if you will, to the to the the, the top of the throne of God that he would call heaven into worship, and something happened on the inside of this pride that happened. Uh, he, and I, I do more more of an exegetical study in, in the sheer wreath imperative when it comes out, but this is just kind of the bird's eye view of it, that that anointing was perverted into something called iniquity. And every kingdom has to have a power source. The kingdom of God is empowered by God himself. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that flows through everything of the kingdom. Well, Lucifer was setting up another kingdom. And so with within himself, this, this iniquity force begin to take hold, and then we begin to have other angels begin to follow after it, and then he even offers it to man. And I, I have my own theory on, on why he did that. Because, guys, Lucifer is not God. You know, and that that may be self-evident to some people, but some people think almost act like Lucifer is omniscient and he's all powerful. He's not. He has a big network of spies, but he's limited in his power. He's limited in his power source, and so one of the things that I, I build a theological case for in my my own postulation of, of this of this problem is, okay, you're limited in your power. And so you've, you've got to create, or you've got to come in line with something that has the potential of creating more power for you. Because he doesn't have what it takes to empower the entire kingdom of darkness. I mean, he, he would, he would dry up like a, uh, you know, like a vegetable on a hot summer day and in the middle of a drought. I believe that that's why man created in the image of God was so important to him. He got them to align themselves with him. And once man did that, man became an iniquity generator. Now, this this is going to make sense in a minute. So that when when he gets people to sin in, in areas where there there is much sin, there's always much demonic activity and the darkness increases. And we have always thought it was because the darkness increased, the sin increased. But I think it's the other way around. The more that he can begin to get people to sin, the more power it builds in the earth for him to expand his kingdom. And this is very important when you begin to understand esoteric knowledge and how the occult works. That they work from generation to generation of building iniquity and sin in their bloodlines. And the more sinful acts they can do and the more more of this iniquity that they build up in each generation, the greater occult power they have. And my wife and I were in a situation where we were ministering to uh, uh, to some uh, family that was coming out of, of SRA, and, and there was mind control involved and everything else. And uh, we thought we were going to take her, take the family to the doctor, just to get an excuse uh, so they could home study from school, because there was a lot of the occult embedded in uh, in the school system. Well, little we know, when we went into the doctor's office, these people were there in, in numbers, and it was literally almost like you walked into a beehive. And there was there was this this chaos there and and oppression there, 
And it was in my, if you, if you know my wife, you put her in a situation like that, it's kind of like saying sick him to a guard dog. Uh, I mean, she, she was over and began praying out loud in the middle of this doctor's office that you have people running back and forth and all this chaos. And, and she began to pray that this God gave her the prayer. And, uh, she found herself saying, Lord, out loud so that everybody could hear it in the entire doctor's office. Lord, whatever sins have been done in this place by the owners, by anybody that has ever been in this office, Father, I ask that you would forgive those sins and break their occult power. The moment she did that, the darkness broke instantly in that place, and they began to pile out of that place as quick as they had piled in there. Because the the kingdom of darkness operates on sin. The more that they can get a generation to sin, the more power that darkness has to thrive in that generation. And so if we'll begin praying, you know, the, uh, the, the first thing that a remnant does is, is repent to make sure that I'm right with God and everything. And once I get right, then I begin uh, praying for the area around me and begin asking God to forgive the sins of those that are in the occult and those that are in political power, those that are in, in whatever kind of power, and asking God to break the power that darkness was receiving by the sins that were going on in their lives. Because what Lucifer has basically done is he has turned humanity into nothing more than copper-top batteries to power his agenda. That's why they always move to silence truth, to silence righteousness, to get people away from the Word of God. Because the more of society that they can get to abandon God and His ways, the more power they can draw from it. Um, a real good example, uh, when, it, when it talks about the, the coming of the Son of Perdition, and it, it talks about the iniquity that's there, and and then then people have to, have argued or debated for centuries. Why does he that restraineth until he be taken out of the way? Well, when you really break that down in the original Greek and you look at it, the Apostle Paul talks about the mystery of iniquity and the son of perdition, and the mystery of iniquity is that iniquity itself acts as a womb that is incubating the son of perdition. And will not release him until the perfect timing, just like a mother's womb will not release that child and removed out of the way until that child has, has, has come into maturation. And the Apostle Paul is saying this is the way the mystery of iniquity is working, that it has got to get the whole world so deep in sin that, that the very sin of the earth acts as a, a womb that maturates the son of perdition and prepares the way for him. And then when the timing is right, it will reveal him because he, he it's time for the birth, it's time for the coming forth. And so it's iniquity itself that does that. And the, the only way to delay his coming is to reduce the iniquity that's going on in the earth. That That's what, that's what powers the kingdom of darkness. And I think that many times when he can get a Christian to sin, I wonder how much more power that generates because it's a greater violation than a sinner going around sinning. That's a very interesting, I don't want to say, well, thesis, I suppose. I understand that a lot better. I mean, that to me makes more sense the way you described 
the way you described it. I mean, look at what's going on right now. Um, and I agree with you, especially with respect to, uh, I, I don't know, soliciting sin from otherwise non-sinners. Perhaps that's an oversimplistic way of saying it, but but the power derived from that would be immense for the enemy, at least in their view, I think. But when you the way you just described that, it it it, it contextualizes, at least in, in my mind, current events, the deal uh well, the destruction of the of the biblical family. Everything that we're seeing going on around us, it, it puts everything in context. It makes more sense this way. They, they've got to. They've got to bring iniquity into ascendancy because it's those very things that give them the right to take over the government or to take over these things and to and to increase their 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 plan. At the same time, guys, what I have seen is as God's people have been praying because. You know, there's when Chaplain Lindsey Williams is a good example because he's actually talked with some of these guys and God just put them in the right place at the right time. But, you know, they were saying, you know, these were our plans, but you guys can stop them. These were our plans, but, you know, if you guys would wake up, you could stop them. And what I have seen is they would say, well, we wanted to collapse all the world economies in 2006, then 2008, then 2010, then 2012, now 2016. Guys, what that's showing me is they have their plan and God has his. And he can cause them to constantly readjust their plan until he says they can get it done. You know, the one, one of these days the world is going to go into one world government with a one world currency. And I think they have tried to usurp biblical prophecy and many times ha- cause it to happen before it was supposed to happen, uh, which I'm kind of feeling here. You know, and I could be wrong, but I personally I'm looking for the Lord's return around 2035 to 2040, and there's a lot of reasons we could get into that. But I, I'm still looking for that last great revival to get in the last day's harvest before God's done and say, okay, that's we, we know who are going to be terror, we know who are going to be wheat. Right. And uh, even with that parable, it's the tares that are removed and not the wheat. But uh, that that's a whole other topic. <laughs> well, it's interesting how this segues, and I know it overlaps, and you, you covered somewhat um, elements of your upcoming book, um, the Sharif imperative. Yeah, yeah. I was, well, I was thinking here. Um, try. I guess I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm looking at the the overlap as well from the Shinar directive to your new book, the Sharif imperative, the the conspiracy of the Watchers. How this? I mean, I, I just think. To, to, and folks, please go back and listen to this broadcast again. This is one of those broadcasts where the the nuggets offered by Doctor Lake, um, despite our interruptions, are are, are so valuable. Um, we're seeing the seeds being sown, not just for revival. I, I believe that to be the case, and and we're also seeing this darkness enveloping you know and um, 
we're, 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 you go back to the beginning. And as you said, Doctor, like there's nothing new under the sun. We're just we're just seeing this being replayed, and and um, I just the only other thing that, that I was thinking of when you were talking is, is you know, Christians really need to step up, and we I, I really believe we need to get our heads in the game and, and ourselves in the game, and and understand that we've got a we've got a massive stake in what's happening here, and we can we can just by sure numbers we can change, we can change, we we can affect change. For, for the for the, for the good for the positive for God well we have two to five percent of the population changing everything imagine what would happen if sixty percent of the population stood up yeah amen to that I'm going to go off top or off uh, off script here not that there is a script but I'm, I want to ask you um, you and I and Joe we we we've not talked about this so if you don't have any comment on it, we understand. Uh, we saw this this week and well, over the last several days, we we saw the um, the occult ceremony take place in uh, Los Angeles yesterday. The six six sixteen ceremony, um, the Luciferian ceremony. And I, I don't know if you caught this or not, Doctor Lake, about the. Uh, uh, tunnel opening, the ceremony, the, the, the occult, really bizarre occult ceremony of the tunnel opening, the Gothard Tunnel in uh, Switzerland, the 35-mile long tunnel where they had this perverse dance, perver- I shouldn't say dance, this very lengthy ritual. ritual. Yeah, ritual. It, it was actually like, like, it was demonic. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. But it just seems to me that, that everything... I mean, we're seeing things that were once overt, very subtle, very behind the, uh, you know, underneath that 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 sheen of the water that's seemingly calm, uh, where it's churning underneath. Now it's all coming to the surface, and and now the 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 elements of darkness are becoming a lot more overt and in your face, and say, you know, they're saying, hey, here we are, you know. I mean, it, any thoughts on on what we're seeing that in, in that respect? I watched uh, portions of that ritual, and I know the, some Christian commentators have said, uh, um, you know, that's Lucifer. And they talk back to it, they're supposed to have been a deal with the devil with the bridge or something in that area. But when you look at the history of the area, and that this actually connects them to Germany, and, you know, we have to go back to the Nazis and what they were doing too, even during World War II and before. Um, I don't think that was Lucifer in the ritual. I think that was supposed to represent a watcher. Now, that makes sense. Going back to Genesis 6, because the woman ends up basically giving birth to a clone of herself. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's it's watcher technology. We're entering into the time of the watchers. Uh, it, it began right at the turn of the 20th century. And, guys, th- this is... I'm looking at things. You know, when Jesus came on the scene, we we know how Israel was supposed to live. And when Jesus came on the scene, he says, repent, I'm getting ready to bring the kingdom. And so we need to understand in Christianity, Jesus nor the Apostle Paul lowered the bar. They actually raised it. Compared to ancient Israel, they raised the bar. Where we we get the concept, New Testament is from Jeremiah uh, 31-33, 
where God says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to create a Brit Hadashah. He said, I'm going to take my same law that you guys have on tablets and you have on paper, and I'm going to write it in on your heart. And then we see on the day of Pentecost, the same fire that was on Mount Sinai that shook the mountain that even was so violent it freaked out Moses, that same fire moved into the hearts of men to empower them to live the ways of God before men to be a witness. So God raises the bar. But, you know, guys, in that day that they were there, did you know the Apostle Paul never had to deal with a watcher? Um, okay. They were never incarcerated. They they were incarcerated, according to the Book of Enoch. They never had to deal with the... Because with the watchers come super advanced technology. Beginning of the 20th century is when they begin to be released. When you, you take the time that they were incarcerated, you do it 70 generations, you're right at... Uh, right at the end of the uh, 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, and we go from horse, horse and buggy to men on the moon in a hundred years. Which, and you write about this, um, oh, um, folks. Again, the Shiner Directive gives you a great foundational understanding of what Dr. Michael Lake is talking about. Um. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and, and think about that. A hundred years from yeah, from from what uh, a week to 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 travel, you know, a, a state away to less than a week to to get to the moon. Well, from collapsed microprocessors, and now I want you to see the how strategic Jesus is because when Jesus taught them on binding and loosing, you know, when he asked them, you know, who do men say that I am, and finally Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Uh, he brought them to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is he he, and so at Mount Hermon you have you literally have a cave there that the Greeks taught was the entrance to Hades. You have a grotto to pan there. You have the very mountain range where the two hundred watchers came down and planned in Genesis chapter six. You also have Nimrod's fortress on Mount Hermon, and Jesus brings his disciples there and says, you know, there's coming a day that the full council of hell is going to be released once again into the earth where they're all working in concert with one another. But the ones that I call out, my ecclesia in the Greek or gahal in the Hebrew, those that I call out of humanity into myself, that the full counsel of the gates of hell will not be able to stand against them. And he was speaking through time because those men never had the full counsel of hell standing against them. We do today. And so Jesus was speaking to us in our generation through those men that we have the power to bind up the enemy while releasing the kingdom of God. Hmm. And so Jesus once again raises the bar. We we don't because we won't enter into this transformational process the way that we should and allow God to transform us. We don't know the level of spiritual authority and transformational power that we can have on society because we're we're still playing in God's kiddie pools when we're called to be diving off the big board on the deep end of the pool. 
Dr. Lee, can you give us one example? That's the second time you used that analogy. What would be a, a, a what would be an example of how we can be diving into that the deep end, so to speak, as Christians? What would what should we be doing? What do we need to do um, that would illustrate what you're referencing here as Christians. Let, let me kind of reverse this and kind of play maybe from the other side of things. Did you ever see where the devil started with something real little in your life and it snowballed and it took over? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, of no. course. <laughs> uh, God can do the same thing. If, if I, I think the, the number one thing is just to really get honest with God. And say, God, this is where I am, and it stinks like fish on ice. I don't like it. I don't want it. And, Father, those around me need for me to become better. See, it's it's not about self. It's not about fix me so I feel better about me. It's It's transform me so that I can make it better for those around me because I bring the kingdom. I know with my own wife, when God began to really move in her life, she had prayed for years. She had suffered from horrible depression. And she had done everything everybody said to get free of depression. She tried to shout it out, to jump it out, you know, all the different things you have at church. And uh, one day she prayed. She said, Lord, you know, Michael and, and my girls deserve a better wife, one that's not depressed. Please do something in my life so I can be better for them. It was a selfless prayer. That day, you know, it was shortly after that she woke up and that depression was gone. And God began to work on her and she started praying and God began working on me and it's it's been a roller coaster ride ever since and with God and it's been thrilling. Uh, we've had to face a lot of things. But we constantly cry out for truth. God, if, if there's ugly in me, show me. Show me what I need to bring to the cross. Show me what I need to learn. And guys, when, when I begin praying that way, some of the, the greatest teachings that I have done is because I woke up preaching them. That it, that in my dreams I was still doing research and, and God was helping me connect the dots and I would wake up and I'd uh, it, it, it I am so now wired that way that if, if I'm going to preach somewhere I don't usually finish my notes till that morning because God will wake me up and I'm still connecting dots even as I'm sleeping. Right. But I I I wasn't originally wired that way. It's when God, for the for the sake of your great name, for the sake of your people, for the sake of my own family, I, I didn't have um, uh, an example of what a good father was. And I waste a lot of years not really being as good a father as I should have been. And uh, I'll, I'll preface that now with I'm an awesome grandpa. Uh, so God's done in my life. Uh but it's it's that that changing and crying out for transformation that begins the process. If I'll do that, when I start getting into the Bible, the Bible will start acting differently. 
it'll start talking back to you. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. this, this, this words, well, you know, sometimes the charismatic movement will call it rhema words, but the word of God is alive and powerful and God speaks to you through that. And you'll be reading verses and all of a sudden certain portions of verses are just like they're jumping out at you with importance. God says, study this, dig deeper here. Right here, right, right here's where the gold is. Dig, I want you to get right here because if you can get this, I can do so much more in your life. And you begin pushing and, and, and just contemplating the word and meditating on it. And, 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 uh, guys, with, with all the tools that we have today, I mean, you can get, you can get Bible programs that just in a push of a button, you can take apart the original Greek and Hebrew. Yes. And dig deep. Yes. We're, we're, we're living in an informational age and we have been, we have never been so biblically illiterate in our lives. The, but it, the, the that's a sin by itself. I mean, we, we, we should be more, much more literate, much, much closer. I mean, we should be immersing ourselves in the study of the world. We, we've got the tools. We do. You know, I've got, I've got a little computer I always carry with me. And between the three Bible programs that I have on there, I've got about 10,000 volumes of research that I can dig into at a moment's notice. And uh, it's it's awesome. I mean, you can you can you can go as deep as you want to go, but what makes it all come alive is when you begin asking the Holy Spirit to make the Word come alive and begin to transform me as I meditate on this, as I read on this. Show me who I need to become, because if you can see it and begin seeing it in your heart, you'll begin moving in that direction. Amen. That's right. Uh, I know when uh, when God first called me to preach, I've been preaching since I was 13. I, I uh, surrendered on my 13th birthday, and I wish I could tell you that it was all just wonderful ever since, but it hadn't because I got in the way a lot of times. I was immature in a lot of areas. Um, but I, I would stutter. Uh, you know, I could be the class clown, but if I, I would take an F in school rather than to get up and give an oral report because I, w- I would stutter. And I do it now when I get real tired. Um but I'm thinking, God, you called me to preach. Now, how am I going to preach with the way that I stutter? And God would begin to show me. And here I am, 13 years old, and God is showing me preaching in front of hundreds and hundreds of people just like a house of fire. And that got so strong that the stuttering had to die. Mm. And when we, when we start, when this word becomes alive to us and we start seeing ourselves, God, how do you want me to live? Teach me how to live. Teach me how to be a better father, a better a better mother. Teach me how to be a, a better minister so that I can deliver your word properly, that, I, that that pulpit becomes a sacred desk that I enter with fear and trembling because I do not enter it as a man but as a messenger of God. And I better make sure that I have been to the burning bush and that, I, that the fire of God, I've been to the mountain, and the fire of God has been kindled on the inside of me, so that when I enter that pulpit, it is thus saith the Lord. And man, that will begin changing you. And, and not, not for self-serving or egocentric purposes, but for, as you had said, for those around you. Yeah. And, and there, there it is. I mean, it's it's that spirit. It's that. Um, I, I, that's a form of repentance as well, in my view. I mean, um, you know, falling on your face and saying, "Look, uh, 
you know, I, I'm imperfect, and you know, please help, you know, fix me, help me fix myself, or I understand that. Well, you know, it's like when, when I wrote the Shinar Directive, it's like because of what we had been through and we, well, I had to study out the occult and we had him in our face for so long. And I began to understanding the enemy that I wanted to articulate that to the rest of the body of Christ. Now, since then, with, with guys with all the emails, um, that my wife and I have received, the phone calls we received, I, I know you guys do the same thing, but so many of them just break your heart. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, some of you know, you laugh, you cry, you pray, and what has become my my motivation on on all the new stuff that I'm writing is let me give the people the tools that they need to prepare them for the days ahead. They need to get free, be transformed, and to become that army of the living God that this generation needs to fulfill the great commission in this generation. And that's that's what motivates me, but that's what keeps me going every day. Wow. Yeah, I'd be I'd, I'd be remiss by by not mentioning, uh, folks. If you go to KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com, under the tab on the right, mind control. What witches don't want Christians to know. The new expanded edition. It's a book by Doctor. Dr. Lake's wife, Mary Lou Lake, and I, I've got to tell everyone that it's an engaging read. It's a, it's a, you know, to me, I, I see a lot of, um, I mean, I can relate to, to, to what your wife wrote in this book. I mean, some shocking events taking place in Missouri, a small town, and how your wife had struggled with depression, as you mentioned, and um, the unveiling of a dark or dark practices around her, around your family. An, an amazing read. So, folks, I just want to say, if you don't have as well what, which, what, what witches don't want Christians to know by Dr. or by Mary Lou Lake, please add that to your library as well. What an engaging read. Um, it's, it's amazing. Folks, check out... Go ahead, Dr. I'm sorry, sorry Dr. Lake. On, on your website, Kingdom Intelligence Briefings, there are some awesome teachings, and I just wanted to point this out because, you know, we I talked a little bit about the Sabbath uh, about a month ago in the Reformation, and I came across the teaching here on Dr. Lake's site, um, the Sabbath, a biblical investigation series. And um, this is something that uh, I have looked over and, and read through. And, uh, Dr. Lake, you offer a very insightful and excellent uh, opinion on this. And I think it's, it's, well, I know it's biblically based, and I think people should should check that out, as well as uh, other questions they have on different issues, from what we're talking about tonight, from grace to um, judgment to uh, many things. Uh, your understanding the kingdom series on your website is a great tool for people to use to get more information about Dr. Lake's insights. Yeah, that that series has taken a life of its own. Um, that is now officially the longest series I've ever taught to include college mm. courses that I've taught. So, mm. it, it, it's. It, it, we, I, I've listened to 
I've, li- I've, I've listened to portions of the series, you know, in the background when I'm doing things at the office. It's just an amazing, an amazing series. All of your, all of your teachings are just amazing. Folks, go to kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. In the two minutes we have left, uh, Dr. Lake, is, what, what, is there anything you'd like to tell our audience, uh, which, uh, we've heard from people in Europe, uh, actually Europe, uh, um, Central America, South America, Canada, United States. Any any parting words for our audience that you feel led to deliver? God's not done with planet Earth yet. That there is another revival. That there's another river that heaven wants to release. That he wants to uh, transform families. He wants to transform societies. Uh, he wants to show there for for us to have that last great revival. There has to be a clear delineation. This is darkness. This is light. This is the kingdom of darkness. This is the kingdom of God. And we're in a place in history, and prophetically, where I believe we're on the on the very edge of that river of God beginning to do that with this generation. Now, many of you. Are, are alone because I hear this all over the place that, that there is no rim that all the, all the church has gone crazy where I'm at but you start with you and you start with your family and then from there you can begin finding those that are hungry no matter where you are in the world if, if you get this established right in your family and begin really living it God will begin to bring you like minded people and you may start as a house church and it build from there. But it, it has got to be something that is lived from the individual to the family, then to the community, because that is the pattern that God has ordained ever since the beginning. And as we do that, even the elite will have to back away to the pressure of what God wants to release through the remnant in these days. Exquisitely said. Thank you. Dr. Lake, thank you so much for your gift of time tonight. That was a quick two hours. Thanks for your information, your inspiration. It was a blessing. Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Kingdomintelligencebriefingfolks.com. And we'll have you back on before the release of uh, the Sharif Imperative. Yep. yep. Great. And we'd like to dive into that more. Thank you, Dr. Lake, so much. God bless you, sir. Folks, we'll be right back with news on the other side. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. 
Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this final hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. You know, I, I just want to say to all of our listeners out there, thank you. Thank you for allowing us into your homes. Thank you for allowing us into your cars. Thank you for allowing us to do what we do. Um, if you're listening to this um audio only obviously uh, you're, you're hearing me stammer and stutter and kind of talk haltingly and that's that's because i'm moved I, i'm so moved I, I i went through we read i mean i personally read every single letter every post-it note i mean we get notes sent to us here through postal mail post-it notes um, um it's an amazing thing to to, to read and I just want to say thank you to everyone who tunes in. Thank you to everyone who takes the time to write something. Uh, whether it's, it, it could even be, well, gee whiz, Doug, you know, you ought to take speech lessons. That's okay. Yeah, I, I get that. And I probably should. To, hey, why don't you have this guest on? Or, have you thought of doing it? Have you thought of doing this? Or even the, the notes of, boy, you've really, Help me with my walk, my faith walk. Thank you to everyone who's listened. Thank you to everyone who's been a part of our broadcast from day one. And we're going to be here until the bitter end. we That's our commitment to you. And it could be a bitter end or it could be a sweet end, but it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of things happening in between. I, I have a feeling, you know, today, um, um, there's so much news today, and Dr. Lake, uh, uh, we just finished with two hours with Dr. Lake, and, you know, the, the cadence necessary. If you tuned into that broadcast, isn't it interesting how, I mean, you've got to listen closely, carefully, and you've got to really understand, because the the... I mean, the IQ of our show was raised about 30 points by having him on. And I just want to say thank you for doc- thank you to Dr. Lake for that. And, and the Shiner Directive, my goodness. A lot of what's taking place right now, and, and many people don't see this. I don't, Christians, including Christians, and especially Christians, are not seeing this Babylonian system, this architecture that was that was developed and originated on the plains of Shinar at, at Babylon. Um, that's why I, I I really like his book, the Shinar Directive, and I was so honored when he asked me to write the foreword for the uh, Sharif Imperative, because uh, you know it's it's kind of one of those things I'm not worthy. I'm really not. Um, but from an investigative standpoint, 
Dr. Lake really proves the point. Portions of the broadcast, as I mentioned earlier, brought to you by Whole Tones Live. Folks, have you, have you gone to Whole Tones Live yet? Have you done it yet? WholeTonesLive.com. Remember that website, WholeTonesLive.com. Don't just remember it. Go there after the show and download the free samples. But, but don't stop there. Read the evolution of the music. Read the account of Michael Terrell who created, well, put together this music. It's an inspiring story. The product, WholeTonesLive.com. The music from WholeTonesLive.com, inspired by King David, the, the music frequencies in the Bible. You know, today, as our lives get cluttered with all of this gunk, Hillary, Trump, Sanders... Benghazi emails, racial tension, riots. We need mental focus clarity. We need inspiration. We need all the help we can get. Really, we do. That's why we've here at the Hagman Studios have taken advantage of WholeTonesLive.com. We play it throughout the studios. Studio throughout the offices. Sometimes I'll crank up the the motivational things, uh, motivational uh, uh, frequencies, to get Joe off his butt, <laughs> <laughs> or to get Eric focused. Right? Now Eric doesn't have that problem, but isn't it great, Joe? I it mean, doesn't take much to to. I mean, in daily life, you have. Uh, you know, your normal stressors of everyday life, but then you have situations where things pop up and, and can ruin your day or ruin your week and get you all mentally flustered. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to, the human element, the human aspect, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Folks, uh, this is the antidote. We've got the antidote, or at least reach into our bag, our medical bag. Not really a medical bag, but, but you know, a, a, a bag of remedies. And make WholeTonesLive.com, that's WholeTonesLive.com, a part of your life. You will thank us later. And for Hagman listeners, if you go to WholeTonesLive.com, you'll see a, a coupon there. Well, yeah, you'll see it. Take advantage of it today. It's gonna. It will revolutionize your life. It'll make a big difference. That's WholeTonesLive.com. WholeTonesLive.com. That's W-H-O-L-E TonesLive.com. Now, just to set the stage for the, the remainder of our program, folks, I'm going to make a couple of statements here. And um, you can take this to the bank. I believe. This is my... The, based on, on research, investigation, interviews. And I've talked to, uh, I talked to somebody today that I haven't spoken to in a while. And that's my source formerly with the Department of Homeland Security. And I haven't even told Joe this yet. Or Eric. Or anybody. And, and, 
how this communication came about, I, I won't even get into. But I was forced to actually leave, <laughs> leave the office and leave, um, well, I'll just get right to the meat of it. According to this source, from the, formerly from the Department of Homeland Security, who still has contacts within that department at high levels, the conventions will be flashpoints. They expect death. Did you hear what I said? Expect death. No, I'm not talking... Death from from riots and unrest? Right, right. What is taking place here, according to my source, is very simple. Everything that he had said early on back in 2010 and everything that was taking place, that got delayed, and it got delayed for a reason. And, And please hear me when I tell you why. Because the plans that for nonviolent plans to advance the globalist agenda, the agenda of the communist-slash-Luciferians here in this country, was going exceedingly well. They didn't need to pull out that Trump card, so to speak, of violence, of civil rights. They thought the, as it was explained to me, with the, election, the selection slash election of Obama, they believed, the powers believed that at that time, because of the lack of bona fides, because of the racial tension, even in 2008, combined with the uh, uh, economic problems in 2008, the near martial law scenario of 2008, they thought they had this, they were going to, to, to pull the pin and create the civil unrest, be able to really create that civil unrest. They pulled back on that. Why? Because they were not, well, they were exceedingly far advanced by using nonviolent means, nonviolent tactics. They got more accomplished in the last six years, through nonviolence, through, uh, through, um, uh, they realized basically that the divide they could nurture that divide between classes and between races without violence. They can deepen. They could deepen that, and they did deepen that. So now today. When they pull the pin on the, the, the violence trump card, it's going to be much worse. By orders of magnitude worse than it would have been six years ago. Eight years, or eight years ago, six years ago, four years ago. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying here? Basically, they said, hold off a minute, because we can, we, we can socially engineer the masses a little bit greater, push the masses into a much deeper, much deeper and much drier tinder. So right now, today, the tinder on which we all stand is much more flammable, combustible, that is, 
in instead of being up to our ankles or our knees in this timber, now we are up to our hips and in some cases our shoulders in this timber. I asked whether the elections would be held and if he thought the elections would be held, you know, without a problem. And he said, why not? I mean, he did, he did not have, my source did not have any, any information about, you know, uh, the postponing elections. The reason, of course, is because everyone within his circle of, of information is 100% convinced that Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton will occupy the White House in 2017. I asked how he could be so certain, given the fact that Trump has such a large contingency of followers and such. And of course, the answer is obvious. Doesn't matter. It's all rigged anyway, to an extent. But, but you see, the more obvious the gaming of the population, the more blowback is to be expected. They want a civil war. This is exactly what the power brokers want, a weakened populace. This is why they're seeding, S-E-E-D-I-N-G, seeding the appearances of Trump. And even if you've been watching of Sanders... They've been using pawns on both ends to cultivate violence. So, when the real violence breaks out, it won't be, I mean, it'll be a natural, it'll be ascribed to a natural evolution of social behavior, and one that has to be met with a degree of force that we haven't seen. You know, in, in, at least not in our lifetimes, at least not in modern times. Think of Lincoln. Now people may believe that Lincoln was a great president. There's a cult of Lincoln. If you, anyone who has watched the History Channel understands, or attended, or followed university teachings understands that there's a cult of Lincoln. Lincoln was the greatest. The man freed the slaves. There are so many myths around Lincoln. It is the the myths surrounding Lincoln which can be most closely uh, compared to what's going on today. Now, you might that might be a little bit more difficult for people to understand. But Lincoln, don't forget, he suspended habeas corpus during his tenure. He jailed opposing viewpoints on newspapers and shut down newspapers. He did more to tank the Constitution than any other president in in in, in history. That's the guy who's idolized by a memorial in Washington D.C. 
right now today, and I'm going to turn this over to Joe, right now today, and the California primary was today. Chicanery is the word of the day. You're going to see Hillary Clinton walk away with the necessary votes as Trump did. Do you think that was, do you, do you think that was, uh, fair? Well, I, I, I don't know. Have we been gamed? Absolutely. But it doesn't matter except to the extent that we will now see once the parties have been identified presumptively up through the up through the conventions we're going to see this increase of of events this this acceleration of events that will exacerbate the differences and violence will be the nature of the day subsequent to the convention during and then after the conventions it will be a totally different ball game that's the plan freedom of speech even aspects of the second amendment all of this will be and I and I can say this with with a degree of authority according to my source will be casualties of what's going to happen in the next several weeks so what I'm saying to you is this the landscape of the first or the landscape of programs like this the landscape of what we're going to be allowed to say is going to is going to be altered out of necessity we will be told to quell the violence that is taking place to save the lives to save lives because lives will have been lost to violence but the violence of course has been orchestrated not not at the lowest levels but at the highest levels. And those architects of the evil, the architects of the violence, are not merely the foot soldiers, or not the foot soldiers at all, I'm sorry, but members of the globalist parties, or the globalists, I should say, not just on the progressive left, but on the right as well. You would be surprised, perhaps, to know that the people behind what we're seeing unfold and what we will see unfold are identify themselves as conservatives, Republicans, just as much as the progressives. Now, that hurts, maybe. You might, oh, come on, you're just full of it. No. No, this is, this is all part of the game. It may not be as overt on the right as it is on the left, but it's there. Lastly, you will see, according to my source, you will see not just blood on the streets, but the blowback by, or or, or the consequences of what's taking place. You're going to see an oppression um, well as it was explained to me I'll just say the words the average person will get caught in the crossfire and will be rendered compliant because of the, the level of fear that will embrace them you heard Dr. 
well, um, it's going to be a change. It's going to be a changed environment here in the next several months. And we're seeing. <clears throat> go ahead. We're seeing it play out. You know, from the San Jose mayor. Uh, the latest there is San Jose welcomes illegal immigrants, but not Trump supporters. We have also, uh, I've seen many YouTube videos and news clips of anti-Trump supporters, protesters <clears throat> of <clears throat> Mexican or Latino descent that are not citizens in this country who say that they hate Donald Trump because they were told so. We right, have the media right. going after Trump and his supporters for the violence that is caused by the George Soros and Clinton team's payment of protesters to, to be there and disrupt. Yes. And now the latest are controversial comments that have been misconstrued uh, that Trump has made about a judge who has a Mexican heritage but is a member of uh, the La Raza gang. Yes. He is being called racist. Yeah, pay attention. He is being, uh, in this article on Fox News, says that the uh, Donald Trump said late Tuesday that his controversial comments about a federal judge's Mexican heritage have been misconstrued. He's defending his remarks in his most extensive statement on date, uh, to date on the matter in the face of growing bipartisan backlash. The presumptive Republican presidential nominee, in his apparent bid to move past the controversy, issued a 700-word statement shortly before the polls closed on Tuesday. Trump said he did not intend to comment further, but used the statement to elaborate on his initial claim that the federal judge's Mex Mexican heritage presented a conflict of interest for him in a Trump University litigation. And it goes deeper than that. Uh, Apparently, this judge is a member of La Raza. CNN had come out and said that there were actually two La Raza gangs <laughs> different from one another. <laughs> right. Um, and his remarks were not about race initially. It was about the connections and affiliations of the judge and his ability to uh, be involved in a case without having his own personal bias and opinions become a part of it. Now, the media has turned this into, uh, I mean, they've went on attack mode, along with celebrities, along with pundits on both sides. But by the way... Donald Trump is horrible for his comments, right. his racist comments, when he was pointing out a fact. That That's right. And he said, it's, yes. an unfor it's unfortunate that my comments have been misconstrued as a, as a categorical attack against people of Mexican heritage. I am friends with and employ thousands of people of Mexican and Hispanic descent. The American justice system relies on fair and impartial judges. All judges should be held to that standard. I do not feel that one heritage makes them incapable of being impartial but based on the rulings that I've received in the Trump University civil case, I feel justified in questioning whether I am receiving a fair trial. Now, Hillary Clinton has uh, used the Trump University news, uh, and the there was one uh, employer of Trump University who came out and spoke out against uh, 
Trump and his practices. But did you know that the Clintons also have a university? Hmm. You what, what, what is that? The uh, uh, um, well, oh, that that that's a uh, crime uh, <laughs> crime university. Court, <laughs> the the yeah. perfect crime. <laughs> no, but uh, really, it's. Um, I mean, folks who are paying attention can see it when they're not even trying to 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 pay attention to what's going on. That when. Trump goes to speak somewhere and his supporters are there to hear him and paid protesters uh, from the other side come in and start violence. It's blamed on Trump. Yes. And, and that, 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 by the way, occurring thing that, that uh, people must understand, please understand what, what is taking place here when you, you've got a, a, a candidate or any speaker who goes to a city to speak, whether it's at a university or, or any public venue, violence erupts because, merely because, Joe, of his or her presence, whether it's Donald Trump or Sanders or whoever it might be, and, and the leaders of that city say, it's because, yeah, you're not welcome here because you bring with you this violence, when in fact the violence is not inherent or is not is not uh, created by or associated with the speaker. Right. It, it is. If there were no it, pro- paid protesters, right. there would be no violence. There Correct. would be no issues. And uh, Jerome Corsi, he's going to be on with us next Monday in the final hour. Yeah. But he has a, a great piece up on WorldNet Daily. Judge and the law firm bringing Trump University case both tied to La Raza. That's right. Yeah, yes, Joe. I mean, the federal free, judge presiding wow. over the Trump University class action lawsuit is a member of the San Diego La Raza Lawyers Association, a group that, uh, while not a branch of the National Council of La Raza, has ties to the controversial organization or gang, which translates literally into the race. That's right. what La Raza right. means. U.S. District Judge the Race, but yeah, and please understand that simply translated, La Raza equals the race. the race. Yep, Judge Gonzalo Curiel, who has been criticized by Donald Trump as a hater, appointed by President Obama, who should be rescued from the case, listed his membership in the La Raza Lawyers of San Diego or the Race Lawyers of San Diego on a judicial questionnaire he filled out when he was selected to be a federal judge. He was named in a brochure as a member of the Selection Committee for Organization's 2014 Annual Scholarship Fund and Dinner Gala. Meanwhile, the San Diego-based law firm representing the plaintiffs in the Trump University case, Robbins, Geller, Rudman, and Dowd, was listed as a sponsor of the event. WorldNet Daily reported the San Diego firm paid $675,000 to the Clinton for speeches. And the firm's founder is a wealthy San Diego lawyer who served a two-year sentence in federal prison for his role in a kickback scheme to mobilize plaintiffs for class action lawsuits. You, and you know, of course, uh, he goes on to detail uh, just histories so you know, of the judge of the organization of their endorsements of the. You're talking about Cu- Judge Curiel, right? And the um, the San Diego La Raza Lawyers Association, uh, who and the law firm. The uh, law firm of right, uh, Robbins, Geller, Rudman, and Dowd, correct, and their sponsorship of the La Raza 
Lawyers Association organization. Right. And so, understand, okay, so. And go to worldnetdaily.com, yeah. folks, WND.com, and read Jerome Corsi's article, because he does a really good job of breaking down all the ties, all the, the history uh, of money sharing, uh, donations to and from the, the La Raza Association to Clinton Foundation, uh, from scholarships from the Clinton Foundation to the law firm. Uh, it's an in-depth report, and I would urge everybody to read it to understand the truth of the matter of why Donald Trump is saying what he is saying about the federal judge. You know, um, what happened in San Jose, there's suspects. I don't know how many people have seen this, but uh, KTVU News is reporting on the arrest of four people uh, related to the San Jose riots. The La Raza thugs that terrorized others at that Trump. Uh, terrorized Trump supporters, and if you watch the videos and the footage from KTVU, you, you'd have seen this. But the names: Ahmed Abdurra, 19 years old, a Santa Clara resident, booked on a felony charge of assault with a de- deadly weapon. Robert Trillo, 18, San Jose resident, booked on felony assault charge with a de- deadly weapon. Antonio Fernandez, 19, same thing. Um, uh, another Michael. Uh, uh, Gorski, I believe his name is, 19, uh, booked on a misdemeanor charge of uh, refusal to disperse. There's four people. Now, the, the pressure by uh, the residents have been, has been so great that uh, people with any information have been asked to contact the San Jose Police Department's assault unit to uh, turn in the names of other offenders. But there's only four, and they're tied to La Raza. I just gave you their names. Uh, if you um, if you look at La Raza in, in, in various places, they are, it's a corporation, 501c3, uh that's so involved, at least in my view. Now, I'm, I'm prefacing this with, in my view, my opinion. They're involved in illegal political activity <clears throat> and their offshoots. The, the, to me, I would compare La Raza with CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. Again, this is my personal view, uh, where CARE's got a lot of offshoots. And, um, uh, care the Council on American Islamic Relations, of course, uh, the unindicted co-conspirators, unindicted co-conspirators in the Holy Land Foundation case. Well, La Raza, to me, is in, in, it's up to its eyeballs in this illegal activity as well. And you've got uh, Hispanic nursing homes. You've got other entities that go after all sorts of welfare type. Uh, 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 what do you call that? Uh, graft, graft, and. Uh, they're, they're, they're parasitic in nature. And listen to this. Uh, from Corsi's article, um, he cites David Horowitz. And what David Horowitz points out on his website, Discover the Networks, that La Raza, Spanish for the race, also has roots in the early 1960s with a United Front organization, the National Organization for Mexican Americans, NOMAS. The group initially was funded by the Ford Foundation, and subsequently by George Soros Open Society Institute and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. In 1968, the Southwest Southwest Council of La Raza was organized with Ford Foundation funding. In 72, the group changed its name 
to the Council, National Council of La Raza, and opened an office in Washington, D.C. This group also has ties to the Council on Foreign Relations, and as I said earlier, the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation. You know, the Clinton <clears throat> Foundation is, we, we could do an entire show on the Clinton Foundation because of the way it's set up. And it, you'll find, I believe, that the um, investigative results would show that the Clinton Foundation is involved, engaged in um, some interesting white-collar uh, fraudulent activity. Obviously, that's a, that's a pretty pretty uh, all-encompassing statement. But when you look at the at the way it's um, being the way it's collecting money and, and the way the money is dispersed and all of the octopus, the the arms of the octopus coming out of the Clinton uh, Foundation as well as into it, and those involved as well in that foundation. Folks, we've we've only seen just a small little glimpse of what this is all about. It's it's a funding mechanism for the globalist agenda. It's a funding mechanism. Uh, before we go any further, I just want to uh, somebody had sent me a flash, flash me- message really quick here, and uh, uh, thank you. I think it was JD might have mentioned this. Um, we had somebody uh, in 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 we have an interactive chat attached to our. Um, uh, YouTube channel. Somebody had uh, made a reference. Uh, uh, let me see if I got this right. Uh, describing uh, the political spectrum, meaning, for example, on the right, the to, to way on the right would be the Nazis, National Socialist Nazi Party, and on the left it's the Communists. Okay, the old political paradigm. You know what I'm talking about. Um, you, you've got on the left, left to center politically. You've got the the communists, you've got the progressives, the socialists, or whatever you want to call it, that left. And then if you go too far to the right in people's minds now, you've got the, the Nazis. And oftentimes, Joe, people associate the far right fringe as, equate that with Nazis, right? But Absolutely. That's, that's, do, but that's, that's a big wrong. Absolutely. Go ahead. I mean, it would be uh, the Bernie Sanders. Nazi is the National Socialist uh, Party. Right. And, you know, you have Bernie Sanders openly running as a socialist. You have the fascist element yeah. of the Nazis also, which uh, Nazi Germany was, was unique in that it was not only a socialist system, it was much more fascist than socialist. But oh, they yeah. ran under the banner of socialism initially, to gain the constituents and the support of the public. Yeah, and, and once they yeah, got that support, yeah. they took over everything under the government control, which is fascism. There it is. And fascism is merely the merging, illegal, illicit merging of government or the state and, and, and private interests. Right, right. It's like uh, government motors. <laughs> which we have in America today. Yeah, exactly. So, so please, folks, I just want to clarify that. Don't make that mistake. Don't fall into that, that paradigm, that, that, that mental, uh, uh, incorrect ment- mental processing where you say, okay, way to the right, you've got this, uh, fas- or this, uh, Nazi fascism stuff. No, it doesn't work that way. It's actually more closely related to communism, um, or not com, well, it's, it's more, it's, it's, it, it, Socialism is communism light, if you will. So Sanders is actually less of a uh, threat to the republic than Hillary Rodham Clinton is, would be as, um, as I would say, as um, 
potentially, uh, you know, in office. So just to be clear, you've got Hillary Clinton, who is by far worse, a communist in, in colors, than Sanders is a socialist. But yeah, both after World War II, crazy. they weren't hunting for socialists. They were hunting for the Reds. Uh, the uh, CIA, the U.S. government, they were they weren't they weren't on socialist hunts. They were on communist hunts, if you remember, because uh, that was the big threat. Um, moving along here, if I can get my computer to unfreeze, Paul McGuire has a great article on his site: "The Coming Cashless Society, Big Brother, and the Mark of the Beast." A cashless society promises a world of limit control and surveillance Sweden the first nation in the world to embrace a cashless society where according to the central bank uh, cash transactions make up only 2% of the value of all payments this from last year Sweden econ- uh, economists believe that by 2020 cash transactions will only uh, amount to 0.5% promoters of a cashless society point out there are countless benefits such as control, tracking, identification of criminals, along with the ability to block deposits, purchases, and withdrawals. 2014, Cass Sunstein, the regulatory czar, former head of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, promoted the idea of a cashless society that would reduce street crime. Sunstein believed there was a relationship between EBT, Electronic Benefit Transfer System, for welfare welfare benefits and a drop in crime. Mm. Although there's no proof in this theory of Sunstein's, it's true. In the spring of 2014, the Department of Justice came under fire for Operation Choke Point, which was designed to shut down payday lenders and other merchant activities that were labeled a high risk. Anyway, this article goes on to explain more of Sunstein's philosophy uh, as a world elite and the world of elites trying to control the class of people under them as God Kings, citing the philosopher Plato, through the use and mechanisms of a cashless society. Marxist ideology in a totalitarian nature, such as the belief that people should be prevented from being exposed to different belief systems on the internet, uh, was another, uh, this was a pr- previous work of Cass Sunstein in the, uh, talking about censorship, but from an article, April 8th, 2016, How a Cashless Society Would Embolden Big Brother by Sarah uh, Jong. A bare list of bullet points point out the FDIC includes some of the following merchant categories associated with high-risk activities. And this is all part of what they want to stop under the cashless society by labeling them high-risk activities. Ammunition sales, dating services, get-rich products, government grants, lifetime memberships, pharmaceutical sales, Pornography, pyramid-type schemes, surveillance equipment, travel clubs, clubs. One major bank shut down personal accounts of hundreds of adult entertainers, which caused them to lose access to medical treatment, food, and rent money. Sarah goes on to write, A cashless society promises a world of limitation, control, and surveillance, mm. which poorest Americans already have in abundance. <laughs> through EBT and cashless society there you go. targets the most vulnerable people in our society. And it goes on from here to quote the book of Revelation, which deals with the uh, mark of the beast prophecy, 
which some predict can be a kind of microchip implant with a computer brain interface. And this is where Paul's article gets really good. I don't want to spoil the whole thing on air. But there is uh, a great article. Go to PaulMcGuire.us, and he does talk about this in his book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, which is still available for pre-order, and I think comes out uh, here in in the next few weeks. But the bottom line of this article is, um, already, he says this in closing, already a host of secular writers are warning the Orwellian control that is coming through a cashless society. And it's coming, people. It, it is coming, and we need to understand that. I was talking with a, a service a gentleman that uh, I asked to, to, to perform a service here for us today, and he said, you know, more and more people are, are no one has cash. No one is using cash. Everyone either is putting it on a card, a credit card, or using debit cards. He said, I, I, I can't remember the last time somebody paid with either cash or even a check. Well, you know, when I buy my illegal guns, people usually don't take cards. <laughs> so and that's going to be the argument for, for, for a cashless society. I do use cash and, uh, <laughs> no, I'm well, yeah, you should see his arsenal. Um, okay, uh, oh, yeah. prepare for the uh, door kicking in five, four. I got no. a BB gun and seven BBs. I, I, I got an email here from <laughs> uh, uh, Jeff S. Uh, who said, "Okay, Doug, you've officially confused me uh, with your attempt to uh, define the Nazi Party as being a left wing or a progressive movement." Just very quickly, I'm sorry, Jeff. Let me let me just do this. Okay. Uh, the Nazi Party. You, you got to understand that the atheistic, liberal, Luciferian media is responsible for the portrayal. And I'm going to try to get this really quick of the Nazis as this radical fringe right wing movement. But right, the, right, right. Okay. And then say, take the Democratic Party before Nazi, the right. Nazis in World War Two. That was the party of slavery. Yes, that was. I mean, yes. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Yes, <laughs> but but uh, Democrats yes. have been behind. It's a stepping stone. Well, yeah, and you mentioned it though. You you mentioned it. You kind of keyed right in on it. The Nazis are labeled or were labeled as being far right on the on right. The they call them neo Nazis. Right. Be, well, before being fascist. Now, now, you have to understand. There's a difference between fascism <laughs> and Nazism or socialism. In a true conservative, fascism is the opposite of what any true conservative exactly. wants. Especially what the Tea Party uh, was all right. about. It was for limited government. Limited government control, limited government uh, bureaucracy. So just very quickly, a very quick history lesson here. When you were talking about, uh, let's see, being far right on the political spectrum, as in even libertarian perhaps, or or pro-capitalist, or at least in terms of economic theory, there's two primary economic theories, the Austrian economic theory and the Keynesian theory of economics, okay? Think about that, Keynesian and Austrian economic theories. So, uh, being pro-capitalist, pro-Austrian economy, uh, economist, or small government, the Nazis were anything but that. They embraced the Keynesian, not the Austrian economic model. And Hitler, in a speech on 
May 1, 1927, May Day, says we're all socialists. We are the enemies of uh, today's capitalistic economic system for the exploitation of the economically weak with its unfair salaries. Doesn't this sound a little bit like Sanders? With its unfair salaries, with its unseemingly um, uh, evaluation of human being according to wealth and property instead of responsibility and performance, we are determined to destroy the system under all conditions. That's Hitler, May Day, 1927, meaning that that the progressives, the socialists, the uh, um, those in in charge, those on the left of the political spectrum, attempt to paint Nazism on the far right as a product of, of the fringe. It's not. No, there is absolutely nothing conservative or fringe right about being. Uh, uh, there's nothing conservative pro right about the or right wing about the Nazis. And most conservatives are only uh, most conservatives. Most people don't really understand that 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 differentiation. So the Nazis or national socialists were. In a fiscal sense, very left wing, on in fact socially left wing, and you can um, you, you can go through and, and I'm just looking at some notes here, um, uh, but you get it, okay? The, 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 the adaptation, the, the embracing of the Keynesian economic policies, the anti free market capitalism, at least on the on the fiscal part of it, uh, the uh, the the pro earth the pro earth lovers pro animal rights not to say anything anything wrong about animal rights but you've got to understand that's all part of this Gaia worship and occultish um, stuff going on here so uh, so Jeff I hope that and pro government control as well the Nazis were so I hope that explains it I didn't murky the waters up too much so I just want to throw that out there all right i wanted to hit this while we were uh still around the talking about clinton here yeah i saw this on drudge today and this just confused me poll hillary beats trump in mexico 88 percent to one <laughs> a new presidential poll taken in the world's top 25 nations so show enormous support for democrat hillary rodham clinton with the biggest gap between uh, republican donald trump in mexico where she leads 88 percent to one but you know where Trump leads, interestingly? Russia and China. Jeez. Russia and China's... Well, and there's been talk that why, it's Joe? been said that Putin has said, and I'm paraphrasing what I read as a quote, which could just be hearsay, that if Hillary Clinton's president, there would be war between Russia and the U.S. I don't know that to be true, that he said it. I just saw somebody claiming that he uh, said it. I don't know. But I don't know why that would be... Um, also, there appears to be collusion with AP and the announcement of Hillary winning the nomination before the delegate count and electoral vote in California. Um, this from the Gateway Pundit. Hillary Clinton caught colluding with AP to announce a delegate win before California primary. On Monday night, one night before the California primary election, the Associated Press announced Clinton had finally secured enough delegates to win the primary nomination. So we are told. And, uh, you know, what were RFK's... And guess what? Never mind. They have screenshots of this. There's a graphic in the screenshots that the URL is Secret Win Version 2, created on June 4th, 2016, which was put up as the headline yesterday. Interesting. 
So uh, the Associated Press reported Hillary gained enough superdelegates to give her 2383 to secure the nomination. But now there's evidence that this, this announcement, the night before the nation's largest primary, was planned days in advance. And it goes on to show the screen capture. And it says it was pre-planned days ago. The Democratic Party used to at least pay lip service to um, overturning Citizens United silence as they rally behind Wall Street funded Hillary. That from a tweet from Jill Stein. Uh, also, um, other tweets show the graphic and said planned attack with AP graphic delivered tonight created days ago worked together to do this tonight. So very interesting. Interesting. In the in the waning moments because of the program. Because you know that program, Hillary ahead. was uh, down two points in California in That's the polls, right. in the latest polls, but before this polls announcement. Right. Are irrelevant. Apparently. They are irrelevant. Well, they do have, I mean, it depends on how they're done. Yeah, Most are irrelevant. Yeah, but I guess I, I saying that tongue-in-cheek, uh, of course, you know. <laughs> and then the... Uh, the email scandal. I don't know if you saw the latest from the State Department, uh, but they said it would take seventy-five years to go through all of Clinton's emails. Yeah, I believe that. Wh- 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 <laughs> when are they in Braille? I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, and no offense to, to the blind, please don't. Uh, no, uh, wh- what are they written backwards? I don't know. I mean, seriously, seventy-five years? Come on. Yeah, and not only that, the State Department has defended not releasing Clinton's TPP emails until after the election. Ah, that's okay. That, see, right there is, that. there it is. And then the other one, State Department grilled on 75-year wait time for RNC FOIA request. Oh, that's what that was, the FOIA request. The Mark Toner, deputy spokesman for the State Department, was grilled by AP reporter Matt Lee during a press briefing Tuesday over the statement that it would take 75 years to release many emails from top aides from then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. After the Republican National Committee made a a Freedom of Information Act request for the emails, the length of time came in a court filing made by attorneys for the State Department in response to the request, the RNC FOIA request. You guys say it's going to take 75 years to complete. 75 (laughs) years, right. Um, I mean, this is all just a little too much. And uh, it's been officially announced that Hillary Clinton is the first woman nomination uh, nominee to become president in history. Well, there you have it. In the in the in the closing moments of tonight's program, I just yeah, there you go. Thanks. <laughs> I want to mention that Eric is actually going to be taking a couple of days off, uh, and I find this very curious. He's going to be uh, he's not going to be here tomorrow. He's not going to come back until no, uh, he's going to be head he'll be gone from uh, tomorrow until Tuesday, or he'll be back Tuesday. Sitting in the captain's Star Trek chair is Josh. Josh M. I'm not going to give his last name, but he's. Uh, you got to show him how to chime in on the mic. Yeah, if he, no, 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 if no, he no, Josh is, to do so. He's 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 all right. He's uh, he's. Yeah, he is a little more talkative than you, Eric. So, but but here's what I find a little bit curious. You see. Eric's going to be gone from Wednesday to Monday, and I find this curious because Wednesday begins the 
this year's Bilderberg Conference in Dresden, ah. Germany. All right, and it's it's going to last through Sunday, and he needs time to get back. Um, so the Bilderbergs are meeting uh, now, well, starting tomorrow, and the hotel has been cleared of all non-Bilderberg guests. Well, it will be by. 12 noon tomorrow. Exit and egress and ingress to the hotel will not be allowed, nor will any groups, protesters or otherwise, outside of the hotel or on the grounds, near the grounds, be allowed of more than 15 people. Reporters have been booted, blocked, and and not allowed. In fact, German military uh, the German military is reportedly providing some security for this event. And, of course, you know... Eight years ago in Chantilly, Virginia... Yep, yep. ...was the deciding uh, factor of the 08 election. Yes. But tomorrow night we're going to be talking about that, taking your phone calls on Open Line Wednesday. Folks, we ask... Here's this is a clearing call to everyone, anyone who had called the first time callers only now tomorrow night that tried to you know were on hold forever never got on. It's your turn. It's your turn. Talk to us. So please, if you've called before, please don't call. And if we get one or two people, it's okay. It doesn't matter. But it's we. It's your turn to be heard. Those people who haven't been heard, been on hold forever, that never talked to us. It is first time caller night tomorrow night. Open lines, and we're going to be talking about uh, as well the Bilderberg meeting, the coverage of um, uh, well that the coverage about that. Uh, we're going to be talking about the political arena, the mm-hmm. fact that Huffington Post has called for violence against Trump. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking more about the information I received uh, from my source. We're going to be talking about the uh, uh, all of this and our uh, plans to attend the DNC, RNC, RNC at least, and, and another DNC. This week we have, uh, uh, Thursday, we have John Haller. Thursday. He will be our yeah. guest. And then Friday, Dr. Ted Brewer will oh, be Oh, catching us. up on things, yes. So John Haller, Thursday, Ted Brewer, Friday, and your phone calls, first time callers only, tomorrow as we cover the latest news and current events and some uh, special issues in depth. Uh, There you go. More tomorrow. Just want to say thank you again to everyone. Thank you, Global Star. Thank you. Dr. Michael Lake. Dr. Michael Lake. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.